Today's date is January 19th, 2019. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Books Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with our show, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, go through the latest news, the new comic book releases from your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And discuss a topic about the world of comic books for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe on the YouTube channel and rate well elsewhere stitcher itunes at the moment it really does help us out you can always find us in youtube stitcher and itunes and be sure to check out our website htbvids.com where you can find links to all of these things as well as plenty written content and lists uh one of the lists including all of our comics of the week for every year since 2017 so be sure to give that a look if oh, you yeah. are so inclined uh we do have a patreon page it is patreon.com forward slash hit the books spelled just like it sounds uh if you would be so kind and feel so inclined as to contribute to the show and help us keep the camera on the mics on and uh keep everything rolling at a regular pace (laughs) uh (laughs) semi-regular uh we would be very grateful if not please enjoy the show we love having you around and if you'd like to interact we are on twitter we're on facebook there uh, Twitter is at htbvids, Facebook's at facebook.com forward slash hit the books. And uh, you can always reach out to us via email at hit the books vids at gmail.com. Again, that's hit the books vids, V I D S, at gmail.com. Um, before we get into the show, I just want to give out a uh, shout out to the uh, web designer for the webpage freshcomics.us oh yeah this is a resource we use all the time we try to give them a shout out every episode but uh it's basically what we use to tell you what the new upcoming comics of the week are um from the major companies and sometimes the minor companies if time allows um but they do a great job over there. It's a really great resource and a really great website. Again, that's freshcomics.us. Uh, we had a little correspondence uh, with them via email very recently. Uh, where I was trying to look up some old comics and had issues uh, because they didn't have the old kind of calendar system that they used to have where you could look it up by week and all that stuff and kind of get an idea of uh, when the comic came out and who the creators were and all that stuff. Uh, after the redesign, this changed. They no longer had the calendar. Uh, so I sent them an email saying, hey, I really love the site, uh, but I really do miss having that calendar, that way to quickly kind of find comics, you know, and what week they came out and what comics came along with them. And uh, he wrote me back basically yeah. the next day, <laughs> like saying, yeah, I'll, that's great input. I really appreciate it. You know, I'll start working on it this weekend and get it out pretty soon. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a guy who cares. Yeah. So uh, just a big shout out to them. Like they clearly the, the designer for it and the person that maintains it, he's doing a great job and he's really dedicated to it. And it's, it was really cool to see, <laughs> some feedback that that quickly because they had a little you know email box on the web page and usually when you use those things on a web page you don't hear back from them ever yeah <laughs> uh, and this guy emailed me the next day so that was really cool to see big shout out to freshcomics.us really love the site it's a really great resource and we're going to be using it today so oh, yeah uh look forward to that so emory what have you been reading oh what have i been reading let me count the things i hate <laughs> well, that's not a good sign. 
Uh, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not. Oh, God, Marvel, why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've been reading and getting myself caught up on X-Men Red. And I regret it. <laughs> so there's, correct me if I'm wrong, there's three X-Men color editions at the moment, right? There's X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, and X-Men Red. Are they all right. still continuing? Uh, I think X-Men Red has wrapped up and they're about to start either another number one for X-Men Red or X-Men Alpha, whatever they plan on calling it. Gotcha. Uh, there's also uh, X-Men Gold. I'm not sure if that one is still ongoing. I think it is. X-Men Blue, I think that one wrapped up like pretty... like. Not too terribly long ago. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, X-Men Gold might be the only one that's still ongoing. That's surprising, because uh, wasn't Red the most recent one? Yes. So I think X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue were basically going for about a year before Red started, right? Yeah. Something like that. I remember X-Men Red started with some pretty good variant covers, if I remember correctly. Maybe it was the main covers, but I, I remember there's a lot of good artwork coming out initially for them. Yeah, the, the artwork was good. The story, not so much. Aw, that's a bummer. <laughs> I never want to see an X-Men book fail. I also never want to see an X-Men book fail. Makes me sad. Especially when it has some of my favorite characters in it. It's like seeing a bad Batman. You never um, want to see a bad version of Batman. You never do. Yeah. But then you realize, ugh, Batfleck. Oh. <laughs> It's like, I understand what you're trying to do, and you kind of look cool, but man, this is, something about this whole thing is off. It's the chin, I'm telling you. It's the butt chin. It's something about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if the aesthetic that you are going for makes me want to act like I'm a henchman who's trying to deck you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> At least he didn't pee himself. <laughs> Kevin Smith, we're looking at you. <laughs> no. I love you, Kevin Smith. Don't take it. Uh, we, we, we love you. Looking forward to the reboot of Jane Silent Bob. But man. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a little rough there. A little, a little, little rough. bit. A little rough. <laughs> right. uh, uh, I was catching up on that. And oh, the writing's bad. Almost as bad as the return of Wolverine. <laughs> I'm guessing that's the other issue you read this week. Yep. <laughs> uh, Sorry, buddy. Uh, apparently, amnesia again. <laughs> because what's Wolverine known for other than losing the woman he loves? Uh, amnesia. Lose... <laughs> yeah, he's known for losing the memories that he lost already. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> is the it's probably one of the most overused <laughs> subplots in all of storytelling <laughs> let alone wolverine storytelling <laughs> where it seems to be the only subplot like, i've forgotten who i am it's like but I, I have claws and i want to murder everyone like at what point are we going to say Maybe it's not just amnesia. Maybe it's just recurring Alzheimer's, and he just keeps <laughs> regenerating that part of his brain. Like, 
what the fuck, guys? That's a pretty good theory. <laughs> I think someone should forward that. Yeah. Hire me, Marvel. I will fix all of your stories. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Even Ironheart. I I personally think he just pretends he doesn't remember anything. (laughs) So he can get away with constantly doing stupid and terrible shit. Oh, that's just sociopathic. That's what I think. (laughs) Oh, I don't remember anything. Remember when you killed all your children? (laughs) No. No. No, I don't remember that at all. (laughs) Did I really do that? Remember when you murdered like half the woman you ever loved? No, 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 that never happened. <laughs> my my name's Logan, not Logan. <laughs> That's how it feels to me. I don't know. My name is Logan. Really? You realize those are the same name, right? Shink. <laughs> oh, who is this dead person in front of me? Shh, 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 shh. Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! <laughs> no one will ever know, bub. As long as you stab them fast enough, God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I love Wolverine, and I I hate it when lazy writers get Wolverine, because they always fuck it up. (laughs) You know what the bravest thing that a writer ever did to Wolverine? Actually tell you what memories it was that he fucking lost. Origins, while not perfect it was probably one of the boldest things you could ever do for a character like wolverine yeah yeah it's like the thing that you've always wanted was like you know what here it is and then another kind of titular tale uh old man logan yeah that's another one where he remembers everything <laughs> and it's a big problem that <laughs> he remembers everything <laughs> it's like uh, he wishes he could forget it's like you wish that he could forget because the things he remembers doing by the time that story starts, ooh, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Yeah, not great. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> um, so that's what a good writer can do with Wolverine. Yeah. I'm assuming this is not the case. No. <laughs> not only that, we gave him a new power. Oh, his glowy, his glowy claws? Uh, yeah. Toaster get, oven claws. Get, get ready to turn on the coils on your ovens, kids. <laughs> <laughs> you because... did show me that panel. Where yeah. It was so ridiculous where he <laughs> drew his claws in his arm and he had like perfectly straight <laughs> red like, lines. Red highlighter lines. <laughs> so the artist just basically took a highlighter tool and drew it on there. And I'm like, oh my God, it looks so terrible and dumb. <laughs> like, are we not going to acknowledge the fact that, uh, he just, in the panel before, had his claws heated up enough to ignite gasoline on contact. When you take something that hot into you physically, not only should you be howling, especially if you're Wolverine, because you should be howling any all the time. I would if I could remember it. <laughs> I forgot how to howl. <laughs> Why am I Batman? <laughs> Wait, no. Wolverine should sound like this because he should be healing his fucking vocal cords every fucking time he smokes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, like his arms with his red hot claws inside should be burning his flesh off. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty dumb. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
Yep. I, I know you're trying something new. It, this is a fail. Didn't work out. So. Like, it'd be one thing, and mind you, I haven't gotten myself all the way caught up. If there's some kind of attachment that they put in him, as opposed to it just being, oh, I'm getting real mad. Oh, my claws are getting red hot as a result. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing that's real dumb. It's like, if you're going to make his claws glowing... Either they ought to be glowing all the time, or they should not be glowing at all. To make those a oh, I pop them and they're regular, like they're 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 kind of warm blades because they've been inside my body this whole time. But yeah, red I hot I when know. I get mad. That's, <laughs> does that mean his bone claws would get hot if he didn't have adamantium in him? You know what's unclear? <laughs> <laughs> so his claws just come out and they're like all scorched and shit. <laughs> it's like, I'm just like, wondering. Oh yeah, I have bone fucking claws naturally. Right. This uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, yeah, right. This is metal fused to bone. Pre-existing bone that should also be probably burning him from the inside <laughs> fucking out as a result. <laughs> Uh, God, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. So, if you get past the glowing claws, is there any redeeming feature to the story? Wolverine is a really good dude. And by really good, I when mean... When he can't remember all the people <laughs> he murdered, bub. Wolverine has gotten so good that when a girl tries to make out with him... When, you know, she realizes that, oh, my God, Logan is like you do all of these things for these other people and you're such a hero. Uh, why doesn't someone save you? <laughs> that. He is so good that he will break off that makeout session and tell you, I don't do it for that. What the fuck? <laughs> Except when you always do it for that. <laughs> um, you have, I don't know who You hit... have a rap sheet of about <laughs> 600 women <laughs> that you have boned after rescuing and then killed. <laughs> Which is fine, since it's over the course of a couple centuries. You know what's not fine? Real talk. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I wish you would forget core parts of your character. Real talk. <laughs> Why? Why have we gotten to the point where his amnesia hit him so hard that he remembers that he doesn't remember? He completely forgets how, you know, much of an animal it is he is when it comes to approaching women. So I don't understand why he always remembers, like, the everyday stuff. Like, he remembers how to put on his clothes. He remembers how to, you know, go to the bathroom and use the appropriate restroom. He remembers how to read. Narrative retrograde amnesia is always very convenient. (laughs) (laughs) Plot device. (laughs) I fucking dare someone to write a character who has amnesia so fucking bad. It's like they're a 40-year-old infant. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh well it's kind of like that little cartoon where the, all the people at the business table suggest something to the boss and then the last guy says something commonsensical and they <laughs> toss him out the window <laughs> it's, it's like the first one you know amnesia the next one murders girlfriend next one murders the other x-men last one something new and unique <laughs> 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 ridiculous i love wolverine but boy they struggle to write him sometimes I these I writers feel like, like it's the one everybody should want to write right like the wolverine sh- x-men spider-man like those should be the ones everybody's gunning for and, and they should be the easiest to write for too they're decades worth of material yeah that is like okay let's uh bring that thing back go from there Find this little thing over here that wasn't really touched on. Expand that a little bit. Should be fine. Should be simple. Trying to restart the character from a narrative standpoint to where you not only have rebooted their story, kind of, but you've rebooted them. Or no. Actually, no. This isn't a reboot. This isn't a reboot. This is not a reboot. If it's not a reboot, why the fuck are we giving Retrograde Amnesia back to Wolverine? Because it's easy. <laughs> it's like it's like you were given Batman, who, you know, has been around for, what, almost 80 years now, and has probably the best rogues gallery in all of comic books. Mm-hmm. And you decide... To take away his batarang and give him a boxing glove arrow. <laughs> and, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give him amnesia <laughs> and then give him a fight against the villain, the White Rabbit, which was basically a Playboy bunny made into a villain. Yeah. And uh, a new 52 book called The Dark Knight. That's what that feels like to me. That's how dumb and nonsensical and sort of lazy it sounds. <laughs> a boxing glove arrow? Yes, yeah, it's, it's just one of those ridiculous gadgets that Batman would obviously never need. Uh, right. That thing from one of his friends that he would again... Yeah, the one he hates. Ne- <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that he would never need because he's not an archer. <laughs> he's also not an idiot. <laughs> It, like he he is a straight he doesn't need a boxing glove arrow that's what his fists are for and Wolverine doesn't need toaster elements <laughs> as claws right he claws stab people <laughs> that is At what at least he can solder their uh, injuries closed mm. on the way out that way he's not technically murdering everyone. Y- you know what that sounds like? <laughs> that sounds like turning all... F- lightsabers? Y- lightsabers. It, it, that sounds like making it so that anyone he stabs never bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need an R rating. Sure don't. Damn it, Disney. God damn it, Stop Disney. It. Stop it. Stop ruining... Y- y- you know what? Once upon a... Deadpool <laughs> was one thing. Once upon a Deadpool, I can understand. How about that that... we take Logan? Mm-hmm. 
and we make it a G-rated movie. Wait, well, why, why would we do that? Instead of violence, we just hear him yelling a lot, and then we just see some bodies with no blood or anything like that. That would be awful. Why, why would we do that? Um, because we're Disney. <laughs> Get out. We're inclusive <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> we want infants to go see Wolverine movies. Gorge. <laughs> what are we doing with all this blood around here? Speaking of Disney, Kingdom Hearts 3 is almost out here. Very close. Will we see any uh, Marvel characters in it? Maybe as DLC. Mm. <laughs> because I would like to see some Disney characters be mauled by Wolverine. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Whoa! <laughs> 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 oh my god. It could be so good. It just imagine someone like Sora, who's a completely original uh square Enix design. And then right next to him you see some five foot three Canadian asshole with <laughs> with the brightest yellow costume you've ever seen. Claws coming out of his hands. And then everyone playing this is wondering why are there bright, shiny stars coming out whenever he hits something? Disney, what did you do? <laughs> Why would Disney do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued. We'll see. Also, I really want to see someone like Wolverine stab someone like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, well. Did you read anything else this week? Um, what else did I read? I thought I thought I read at least like one other thing. Uh, uh, whatever it was I read, it clearly was not of any consequence. All right. Well, uh, I guess or, we... or it wasn't American. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Xenophobe you. Uh, I, I... Listen here, sir. <laughs> you will not find a bigger fan of Japanese, French, oh, you weeb. or even Italian comics. <laughs> I don't know why I counted to four, even though those were three things. Don't look at me like that. Oh. <laughs> Just concerned about your uh, mental health there. It, 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 Think you're getting some amnesia <laughs> for the plot device we're going to use in the future. Hey, man, I'm already forgetting what comics I read. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll forget who I am. No, seriously, where did I come from, though? <laughs> <laughs> you're Canadian. But seriously. Oh. Am I Australian? <laughs> I feel like I was Australian once. <laughs> uh, he was in that fucking failed Pride of the X-Men bullshit. <laughs> His design was cool, though. It was. I uh, love that uh, brown and tan. Oh, yeah. So uh, I read a couple books, and then I uh, finally got Injustice done with and uh, complete. Ooh, Injustice okay. 2, that is. Um... 
I guess first I'll talk about Young Justice. That's the Brian Michael Bendis comic that uh, we've been talking about a little bit. I read the first issue of it. Uh, I'm very encouraged by the the dialogue. The dialogue is a lot of fun. Yeah. The the artwork is great. I really enjoy the artwork. I like seeing Tim Drake on a team. Hooray! <laughs> However, there's some things in it where I'm just like, what led to this decision? Yeah. And why was it necessary at all? Uh, one of those quirks, this isn't a spoiler because we already know Tim Drake's in it. And we already know that Damien is on the Teen Titans. But why is the younger Robin <laughs> leading the Teen Titans, who are all clearly older, while Tim Drake, who is clearly way older, is leading the Young Justice team, which is comprised of basically children? Oh my god. <laughs> It's a very strange situation. Uh, so dumb. Yeah. Wait a minute. The Teen Titans. Yes. Are being led by a child. Yes. And the group of children. Yes. Is basically being parented by a teen. Yes. DC, what is you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a weird situation. Uh, it's kind of fun seeing some of the cast members. Um, the cast members include Tim Drake, obviously. Who, yeah, you know, I know you love Tim Drake, and I'm a big fan of Tim Drake. Obviously, oh, yeah. I'm a Dick Grayson fanboy, so I never, never, <laughs> you like, never put him over, over never, Dick. Never, <laughs> Dick is always at the top of my mind. <laughs> but. Uh, Ah, you would. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, again, the the writing's been great so far. So, kudos to Brian Michael Bendis. He still knows how to write dialogue. Um, Most of the time. um, We have uh, Wonder Girl in there. We have um, Impulse. We have uh, Jonah Hex's daughter, which is kind of a weird inclusion, but she's there. Didn't know he more, had one of those. More or less as a comic relief, which is kind of weird. Like, uh, the whole time I read her lines, I'm just picturing a rootin' tootin' young girl <laughs> oh. with a shotgun who's going to fight <laughs> off crime with her shotgun from her daddy, Jonah. It's it's real weird. <laughs> but it's kind of fun, you know? Like, I don't begrudge him because it, it works <laughs> within the context of the ridiculous team. It, it kind of works. Okay. Okay. Um, a little silly, but yeah. you know, comics. Uh, another character is kind of another issue I have with the book. Now, it may be that I just I haven't been keeping up close enough because there's just so much content. But there's a Green yeah. Lantern on the team. So at first I was like, okay, there's a Green Lantern on a, on the team. Is it like a young version of Jessica Cruz? Like we're just gonna ignore the fact that Jessica Cruz is an adult and just. Or Simon Baz or something like that. Right. No, apparently it's an entirely different new Green Lantern, which brings our total up to, what, eight Green Lanterns on Earth right now? (laughs) Which is fucking ridiculous. There's one per sector of the universe. Per sector. Not even planet. Sector. Of the universe. (laughs) We now have eight 
eight fucking Green Lanterns from one planet. And most of them are on that fucking planet at the moment. <laughs> it's outrageous. They keep giving them rings. It's like Batman. It's like everybody gets a ring and everybody gets bat bat shit. You, know? <laughs> you want a bat ear? You want a bat ear? Everybody gets bat ears. <laughs> Uh, I there can only be one Batman, but Bat women, uh, yeah, we'll make those left and right. We got Batgirl, we got Batwoman, we got uh, Blue. Oh, what was her name? New Fifty Two kind of looked like Nightwing when Nightwing was dead. Oh, oh, I can't remember one. her name. Blue something. She had a big gun, which kind of antithetical to the whole Batman thing. Yeah, we have the signal. We have uh, <laughs> uh, what's what's the African robot guy batwing batwing who's basically iron man <laughs> and black panther combined but in a pretty bat much, costume pretty much uh uh we have jason todd's red hood who wears a bat symbol we have tin drake red robin we Yum. have nightwing obviously <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have damien as the newest ish robin depending on whether carrie kelly exists at the moment or not uh please don't there's, <laughs> there's spoiler who is technically a bat character uh there's asriel which always wears a bat sing- symbol for no apparent reason <laughs> as a saint or as a patron member of the saint dumas yeah i used to be batman once so now i wear the bat symbol all the time even though it's completely inappropriate. <laughs> uh, and then Isn't he, he a sword wielder? Yeah, he murders people too. Isn't Batman's son a sword wielder? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he murder people too? Oh, he used to. <laughs> but he totally doesn't murder people now. Totally, totally doesn't. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, oh. Green Lantern is becoming the new Batman Inc. There's just, everyone's a fucking Green Lantern now for no rhyme or reason. I thought it was kind of cool when they started to split them up a little bit. They had Guy Gardner become a Red Lantern, which I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. Kyle Rayner become Space Jesus and uh, Green Lantern, New Guardians, where he became the White Lantern. Um, They had kind of John Stewart kind of leading the team. They had Hal Jordan kind of redeeming himself after becoming a Yellow Lantern and the whole Parallax storyline. And I thought that was cool. I thought it was a good use. I still thought, you know, it's still kind of too many Green Lanterns, especially after they added Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz later on. But, you know, I thought it was kind of cool that they were finally kind of differentiating them a little bit. And I think the biggest problem with the other Lantern Corps is that they don't have a human on their team. <laughs> like, the Green Lantern Corps figured out that humans on this one planet are so fucking good at their job <laughs> that we had to make eight of them. <laughs> Meanwhile, every other Lantern Corps is like, eh, 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 I don't know about these humans. I don't know. They don't seem to be doing a whole lot, except when they're fucking kicking all of our asses. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure we could give a yellow lantern ring to someone on Earth. Like, now, like, I like think the Batman. one, yeah, I think the one exception is Necron's guy, the Black Hand. Uh, I can't remember his actual name, but yeah, he, he's technically human. 
but he's literally the only Black Lantern, so... Right, because they're yeah. zombies. Yeah, it's like, Lar flees. Okay, I get it why he doesn't have a human <laughs> lantern in his core. Because Mine! It, because it's literally only him. Uh, uh, unless he decides to marry a human... And then he'll just own them. Mine. Mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're mine. You you get this orange ring, but remember, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, done with that spiel. But, yeah, it's weird. We don't know the identity. Or at least I don't know the identity of this new, young, I'm assuming, childish Green Lantern. Um, I'm kind of hoping it's like... Uh, like a foreshadowing of the Green Lantern that's in Batman Beyond. Oh. Maybe it's that Lantern, but as like a young kid, that'd be kind of cool. Maybe. Maybe still, they're it's still a weeb. Way, yeah, <laughs> it's still way too many, and I think it's weird that they hide in a little Green Lantern mech suit and change their voice. But you know, to each their own. Um, and then uh, we have let's see here. I got Tim Drake, Jonah Hex's daughter, whose name I can't remember. Wonder Girl. Uh, Impulse, uh, weird Green Lantern guy, uh, and then <clears throat> uh, I'll say Superboy, the kind of classic 90s Superboy, shows up at, at the end in a really kind of cool and intriguing fashion, so I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to read it. Don't call him Superboy. <laughs> He's the Metropolis Kid. Yeah, So, but it's, <laughs> it's actually a pretty interesting interaction they have at the end there. Um, although again, cause I haven't been able to keep up with all these ridiculous events. Like, you know, I read no justice, but like, I haven't caught up on the dark side war stuff yet. I haven't caught up on all the convergence bullshit that they pulled. And like, it's, it's such a weird mix up and there's so many, you know, versions of the same character in existence at the moment. It's hard to follow what the hell's going on. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, one other thing that's pretty cool is they kind of re-involved uh, Gem World, which if you've ever read Swords and Sorcery, which is a DC book uh, starring Amethyst, it's it's a huh. it's a pretty cool like kind of fantasy world uh, book. You know, it's usually involved in some kind of magic book, like you know a Satana book or something like that, where you really get to interact with them a little bit. But the, basically, they live in like an alternate world slash dimension, you know, yeah. called Gem World, and every every kingdom is a different type of gem, like amethysts and uh, opal and all these stuff. And it's basically just like a, a kind of over the top fantasy world with magic involved. Mm. But amethyst uh, makes an appearance at the end there, and that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, she's in it because she's on the cover, but. It's a pretty cool interaction at the end. It kind of sets up for maybe a really unique story going forward. Not unlike uh, Jeff John's ending uh, for this first issue of the new Shazam. So there's something to grab onto there. I'm going to keep reading it. I really liked it. It's one of the uh, Wonder Books, which I think are the ones aimed for younger audiences. But it actually it's not, you know, babying people. It's actually kind of fun and enjoyable and, you know. It's what you would want it to be. So, right. Okay. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Kudos to Brian Michael Bendis. And uh, man, I wish I could remember wh- who the artist was on it. It, th- it might be Jorge Jimenez, but I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, great work, both on the art side and the dialogue side. It was really fun and really entertaining. Uh, the other book I read was the first issue of Justice League Dark, the newest one. Um, I'm, 
I am a sucker for the occult books in the DC universe. Like, yeah. I love the Swamp Thing books. I love the Animal Thing books. I love the the Constantine books, the Satana books, the Justice League Dark books I've always enjoyed. Um, Maybe some Etrigan here Etrigan is the one that I kind of struggle with. Because <laughs> they, for whatever reason, his story is always the same. Uh, I'm a demon, and I'm not a demon, but I'm a demon. It sucks. Uh, I'm ugly, but I'm not. But I'm ugly. <laughs> it's like, okay, I've heard this enough. I don't really like, care anymore. Like, oh, no, this Jekyll Hyde thing just keeps happening to me. Yeah. So this book is really cool. And basically, it's you'll, you want to read Justice League No Justice, the Scott Snyder four-issue series there to kind of get an idea of what's going on. But basically there's this kind of source tree. There's four of them uh, that happen in the storyline for no justice where all of these teams have to team up and kind of isolate these trees before these kind of interdimensional, basically universe eaters eat them and destroy all the life force in the galaxy or universe, whatever the context was. Uh, again, this is right after dark Knight's metal and so there's just tons of <laughs> tons of dumb bullshit that had to be tied into it. So technically, technically all of this bullshit is sourced from Dark Knight's Metal. I wish it wasn't because it would be a lot more coherent and enjoyable if it wasn't. But yeah. and that ironically, Dark Knight's Metal and the No Justice is the stuff I'm actually caught up on. So, but this one was actually a pretty enjoyable book. Um basically the story follows wonder woman who's trying to create a new kind of occult faction of the justice league to kind of address this source tree because the source tree is causing a bunch of havoc in the world of magic like interesting the first thing you're introduced to is zatanna can't control her spells so when she uses her magic terrible shit happens and people get killed so yeah it's pretty it's pretty interesting um there is a little bit of a comic side to it which i do like on the occult books um they have like uh bobo the chimp de- detective helping out which is <laughs> detective pr- chimp yeah <laughs> they have the like the pocket dimension bar the oblivion bar which is pretty fun uh this one's being written by james tinian the fourth who um has done great work and i really enjoy his writing um the artwork is excellent the artwork is great again i wish i could remember who the artist was in the book um but uh the art is excellent and i highly recommend it to anybody who wants to read some fun occult books um i think honestly there's been kind of a deficit in the occult books since uh gotham by midnight ended which is a late new 52 title that i thought was excellent um and i think they haven't really recaptured the fun of the kind of scary adult creepy side of things quite as much spooky scary side yeah so i recommend the book uh it's just kind of cool. You kind of see kind of things flipped on their head, whereas normally you have Zatanna kind of trying to recruit everybody for a good cause. In this book, it's kind of the opposite, where Wonder Woman's trying to recruit everybody to the cause, and Constantine's sort of helping her out, but it's hard to tell because Constantine likes to kind of con people. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, and Zatanna is the one who's resistant to helping out and joining because of how the tree is screwing up her powers and you know right the consequences of the past what's happened with her father what's happened you know if you're familiar with satana her father was killed by this kind of celestial demon thing um after some incidents and at least in the current uh storyline with constantine right so some drama there especially (laughs) since they were lovers at a few few points in history 
uh, added to the list of people that Constantine has slept with. Hashtag save Constantine. Hashtag please save Constantine. Matt Ryan, get on it. DC yep. Universe, we got perfect opportunity. I will buy your fucking app right now. <laughs> it, yes. Also, you've been generating some goodwill with, you know, being a side character in other people's shows. This is the time. Get your own fucking show, dude. <laughs> Do it. So good. So good. Start a, start a you know, a Kickstarter or something or a, a anything. Patreon, whatever. I'll donate to it. I don't care. Right? But uh yeah, it's really fun. If you want a really good DC occult book, you know, I always feel like the occult books are better than the mainstream books cuz they have a little bit more creative freedom. Whereas I feel like the mainstream books have to stick to this ridiculous canon, you know. Oh yeah, um, which is sometimes a little too much <laughs> uh, for characters to really bear and be fleshed out. Um, so yeah, that's what I read, and then Injustice Two, I finally got around to finishing it and knocking it all out. It was a slow kind of process because I am a difficulty fiend i love playing at the hardest difficulty and <laughs> things especially in fighting games cause because you are a man <laughs> i just like learning all of the systems for all the characters and like getting pretty pretty decent at it and yeah. I, I enjoy the challenge you know if it's not challenging i'm not you know basically coasting through it for the story which in these kind of games it's a, it's a good thing but yeah yeah for me i still just like i like to punish <laughs> myself a little uh the but, Dark Souls approach. Uh, I'm sure we'll do a full review on it. I know you've beaten it already. Oh, yeah. And uh, you got it pretty early when it came out and all that stuff. Yeah, and I I'm, did. I'm pretty late to the game. But um, I really enjoy the story. Obviously, the graphics are a huge improvement. The battle systems are pretty solid. Um, I feel like a few characters are kind of missed, and a few characters probably didn't need to be in the game, especially DLC characters. Like I feel like it's awesome that... You know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are in it, and the Hellboys in it. I don't think we needed Raiden Sub Zero. <laughs> you know, I think those slots could have been used much more effectively. You know, the oh. Adam is pretty cool, but I feel like he could have been in the story. You know, uh, um, he could have, he should have, but they didn't. I wish, honestly, that uh, instead of doing something like, uh, oh, we're going to put Raiden in here. And also give you a skin for Black Lightning for free. Yeah. Just commit to... Just give to us Black Lightning. lightning. Yeah, give just us commit a Raiden. Just give us a Raiden skin if you need. But right. give us Black Lightning, then give us a Raiden skin. You right. Know? If Sub-Zero is a skin for Captain Cold, so be it. <laughs> That's fine with me. I don't need fucking Mortal Kombat characters in my Injustice game. I just don't. Or a Cold character... Separate from a cold character, Mr. Cold, Freeze is pretty cool addition. Yeah, Mr. Freeze, that. Mr. Freeze was a cool skin, yeah, and I appreciated that, especially because like they they knew these were two people who used cold guns. Yeah, that that's fine. That makes sense. But Sub Zero, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, story. Back to the story because I don't I don't want to get too much into the weeds with the game right. until we do a proper review. Um. 
Storyline, I think it was a huge improvement from the first one. Like, the first one was just kind of, like, the typical tropes. We crossed universes to solve our problems, and we have these super pills that conveniently give us Superman's powers so we can fight toe-to-toe with him. How But apparently convenient. not toe-to-toe enough to bring him down, <laughs> you know? We need the real Superman from the other universe to come do that for us. Right, because Whereas, those yeah. pills don't let us do laser beams from our fucking eyes. Except when fucking Alfred breaks Superman's back in the Batcave. <laughs> read the injustice comic it's pretty good except for a few moments aka the death of nightwing oh th- that was the first that was the horrible horrible moment in the injustice comic book because the game makes it seem like damien murdered nightwing like straight up yeah. murdered him took his mantle what probably while working for superman or to prove his worth to superman or something like that yeah which is a heavy thing to like kind of weigh down the characters and the plot with and it's really cool and interesting i can accept that version of you know nightwing's death you know maybe nightwing's trying to stop him from joining superman and damien says fuck you and uses a sword and kills him or something like that you know and right dick won't fight back because he's trying to save him I can totally get down with that. What I can't get down with is Damien jokingly throwing a fucking escrimis stick at the back of Dick's head, hitting him in the head so he passes out, falls down, and conveniently lands his neck on a stone that's on the prison ground and kills him. In front of everybody, including several characters with super speed that could have prevented could this have, whole thing. Who could have saved him from hitting the fucking rock. Uh, or being hit in the first place. Fucking stupid. The worst writing I've ever seen. And I hate it. And I don't know why DC hates Nightwing. I fucking hate it. Why? You could have done something so interesting and cool with that subplot, but you fucking wasted it. And I hate you for it. All right, spiel done. Yep. Um, <laughs> Every time, DC. <laughs> Just because you, for some reason, feel the need to play chess and you don't have an opponent does not mean you should be playing chess against yeah. yourself. And this is not the you know Mortal Kombat guy's fault. This is a separate writing team that was given a little bit of leeway to kind of interpret what was going on in the Injustice world. Yeah. And unfortunately, on that point, they kind of <laughs> dropped the ball. Everything else was kind of fun and interesting, kind of a, you know, an interesting what-if situation. But yeah, like that it's one, all what-if. That pissed me off, because I was like, <laughs> they clearly illustrate in the game that Damien murdered him. It wasn't just like, ooh, catch, you know? And then he <laughs> fell, fell at a fucking rock, like a stone like that big, and broke his neck. I'm like, it's like, I think of Seriously? That... Come I on. think of that rock whenever there's a Batman versus Robin fight and Robin says, it was an accident. Uh, and it's like, jeez. <laughs> uh, it's so stupid. So dumb. It made, it's really, I hope that if there's an Injustice 3, they kind of retcon that. Please? And make it so Damien actually murdered him. Yeah. Like, they kind of retconned how Damien left batman in the first place that, yeah a the, little bit. the game actually shows you the moment that damien commits to joining superman and leaving batman yeah which is pretty interesting however and 
probably sets up a storyline where Damien can kill Nightwing down the line. Right. Because Batman seems happy to work alongside him at the moment. <laughs> and if Damien had already killed Nightwing by hitting him in the head with a fucking Eskrimis stick, <laughs> I don't think he'd be so ready to help him, you know, in their little fight to Arkham. Fuck no. So <laughs> I, I kind of appreciated that from... Injustice yeah. 2, and I hope they kind of delve into that a little bit more, just to a give me some closure. Because <laughs> that was so dumb, and I hate it so much. Um, but yeah, Injustice 2, it actually has a developed storyline. Basically, the plot is this new threat, and Brainiac arrives. Supergirl arrives a little bit earlier, and is being hidden away by Wonder Woman and Black Adam, and they're kind of manip- manipulating her into thinking that Batman is this horrible influence and that he's in prison, her cousin Superman, and, you know, basically give her a bunch of bullshit. Meanwhile, Batman is kind of creating his own kind of super team to kind of replace the Justice League and keep things going. Shit hits the fan when Brainiac arrives, yada, yada, yada. Superman is released, yada, yada, yada. They team up, try to save the day, yada, yada, yada. Is he redeemed? Play the game and find out. Hey, but yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. I think the endings kind of fell a little flat at the very, very end. You know, yeah. after the Brainiac stuff's all done and everything, I think they could have done a little better with the ending, specifically Batman's story. But it was still really enjoyable, and I, I liked it a lot, and I liked having all the new characters. Wish Nightwing was still in the game. Uh, I think Lady Shiva was kind of cool. Uh, they could have had that in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, really solid game. Really enjoyed it. Still enjoying it. You know, if you're still playing the game, hop on some ranked matches with me. Go ahead. Or send your <laughs> AI team at me. Come at me, bro. Uh, but yeah, really enjoying the game. And uh, hope there's a Injustice 3 because, quite frankly, seeing the new Mortal Kombat uh, trailer stuff and the promotional stuff. that does not look like a good game folks (laughs) they took away long combos they made the health bar real fucking small Uh, and they made it so you can take away basically a third of the remaining health with an x-ray move which is bullshit (laughs) yeah and it's basically all like pomp and you know circumstance presence without any of the kind of depth that he it really gained in Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 9. Uh, the skill that yeah. people had built up. I mean, the jump from Mortal Kombat 9 to Mortal Kombat X and the jump from Injustice 1 and Injustice 2 was drastic, both graphically and systematically. Like, everything just got pushed to the next level, and I loved it. This one is not pushing it to the next level. In fact, I think it's taking several steps back from what <laughs> I'm seeing, and it's very concerning, and I hope Nether Realms, you know, I, I hope he kind of... Get it together for Injustice 3. If and, you, and you don't like the gear system. It's not that I don't like it. I don't, I don't like having it in ranked matches and, like, competitive mm. circumstances. Like, having it for the story and for, like, ladder matches and stuff like that, you know, like the multiverse simulation stuff. Yeah. That's completely cool with me. I'm totally down. Any single-player stuff, I'm totally down for. I don't like it in the competitive atmosphere. I don't, you know... I think everybody should just have base moves, base attributes. Like, if you want a character to be fully fleshed out, just design them that way from the get-go. 
you know, don't make me unlock 600 different extra moves and extra armor that'll speed me up enough to complete a combo, you know, and all this, like, bullshit, like, to add a Nightwing to the game that you have to get his fucking staff and add it to Robin. And so you get basically half of Nightwing's moves from the original game in Damien's body. Exactly half. And it fucking sucks. It, I'm just honest, it sucks. Like I, the Eskimo sticks were some of the most fun parts. You know, just seeing him flash those Eskimo sticks and then build it into a, a huge long string combo yeah. is just really fun. And then switching it up to the bow staff and mid combo and wrecking house with it. You know, it was, it was fun, like proper Nightwing. And I just, I don't think that's the case now. You know, and I feel like some of the best Green Lantern moves are, you know, you have to fucking unlock them and find them in a fucking mother box, which is basically a fucking, you know, uh, free-to-play gimmick, you know? <laughs> I don't like it. I, like, it's... I'm totally cool with new skins and armor and all this stuff, you know, in a non-competitive context, but the character's moves should be there. Like, it should just be ready, built to go, and balanced you know you shouldn't have to get all these extra things to make like, your character even stand a chance against other characters like i don't it, it, i'm not a fan of it yeah it, it's loot boxes yeah it, while it, free it's it's 100 percent loot boxes yeah it, like, they don't it, have to it, be free you can buy some <laughs> <laughs> i mean you can buy some and they remind you yeah yeah uh, like or you can just can continuously grind the fucking uh multiverse yeah but long story short a lot to love really love the game wish the armor stuff wasn't as much in the competitive context of the game but i can kind of see how it adds another layer to flesh out especially in your ai fights and stuff like that um i don't like that you <laughs> i i think the the armor system could be refined a little bit i think it's a little bit too convoluted and too like i just make the armor at the level that it should be at. Like, don't make me have to spend these regen coins to bring it back <laughs> to level 30 when I hit level 30 finally, you know. Don't keep my character's yeah. armor capped at whatever <laughs> level I'm at, you know, instead of letting me earn epic armor and then eventually right. leveling up to the point where I can use it. I would rather do that and have that as kind of an incentive to work up to that level right. to wear that armor rather than have a level one armor and then have to spend a regen coin and all this other bullshit to it, it it's know. grinding plus gambling yeah it really is it's there's a heavy dose of gambling in this game <laughs> yeah. but uh again we'll make a proper review that covers all of these things sound design music i think there's i think there's a big problem with some of uh nether realm studios sound design i think they're recycling a little bit too much and not updating a few things that I feel like could be easily remedied. You know, more of that in the review. Yeah. So, uh, with that, let's get into the news. Uh, no, did the content match the drapes this week? Uh, I don't believe we read the comics. Well, young, I take that back. Young justice. Number one, we did read it. You did read. So that, that was the variant of the week. I, I believe two episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, we chose the Superboy cover. That was really great. Um, that comic was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Really looking forward. I, I covered it enough when we were talking about the comic, so I won't hash yeah. over it too much. But really excellent start. The content definitely did match the drapes. Those drapes being a very sexy Superboy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Look at that boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I take that back. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Um, so big shout out to Brian Michael Bendis doing a good job so far. Really looking forward to it. So first item on the news. Uh, we have a lot of news this week, a lot of it financially based, but we do have quite a bit of stuff there. Uh, first up Shazam, the movie that everybody's looking forward to because it will be awesome and great and wonderful. And Zach Levy looks great. It had better be. But they're definitely not breaking the streak of DC just spending every dollar they can. Um, Shazam's suit, which they made 10 of, cost a million dollars a piece. Uh, this comes from an article by Jacob Aller, who was uh, writing for Sci-Fi Wire. Uh, basically, he says in here, uh, the exterior suit is a spandex suit that goes over a muscular shirt musculature that's a hard word to say suit and each muscle has been sculpted on the body of zach so it accents and highlights his shape and size there's a ton of electronics involved as the central bolt and gauntlets light up there's actually a battery pack in the back we luckily had a cape to cover it all up i don't know where we would have put all that stuff and it is remotely lit through a switchboard operator which is a separate individual um so it goes more into the the specifics it takes 16 weeks to build the costume they basically had to do a full body scan of zach and then hope that he didn't get fat or skinny (laughs) during that time so it would you know obviously fit him he had to do a a strict workout regimen and keep to a strict diet to keep it going um you know if it's worth it great I would definitely take the practical effects over, you know, spending $40 million on CG. Uh, yes. That looks horrible, <laughs> which is what they have been doing in the past. So I guess if that's the exchange, I'm okay with it. But I feel like parts of this suit didn't have to be as over the top as this. Like, I know, like, for Thor's outfit in the Marvel movies, they they had to build, like, a whole cooling system in it for him because it was just too hot, specifically, like, the early versions of it before he had, you know, when he had the long wig and the big body armor and all that stuff. They had, yeah. to, they had to actually make a cooling system in there because he'd overheat and right. basically pass out if they didn't have it running. So And that was after he had to actually slim down a bit because... Yeah. And no, that did not. He knows how to bulk. Yeah, and that did not cost a million dollars. No, uh, <laughs> the fact that this uh, uh, pseudo muscle suit with LED lights in the front and the, the gauntlets <laughs> it cost a million dollars. I feel like something, something's not adding up here. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But uh, uh, it sounds like a lot of this suit by itself. You could probably, or you are most likely going to see uh, cosplayers make the same suit and not need to ask for that extra stuff that uh, equals out to a million because they don't have a cocaine habit they're supporting. (laughs) Oh, DC. (laughs) Please change. (laughs) DC, double cocaine. So, uh, next up in the news, this one comes from Newsarama. Most of our news items do come from Newsarama, so give them a shout out there. Oh, they, yeah. They are a pretty good website. I wish that their automated advertisement videos weren't as bad as they were because they just <laughs> fill up the whole page and screw up the whole web page when you're trying to read it. Every but time. <laughs> other than that, awesome site. Uh, this article by George Marston 
It's talking about how DC Comics is launching its Be a Hero, Read a Book campaign to put superheroes in public libraries. Basically, the concept is they're going to basically donate a bunch of uh, one-off stories and like promotional material, basically advertisement let's face it um, yeah to all these public libraries to kind of incentivize children to kind of join in read more stories and specifically graphic novels and uh kind of reach out to a new generation which i think is a good thing I, I i wish it was a little bit more than just like advertisement pamphlets and you know <laughs> bullshit like that but yeah i'll take what i can get um I really wish that they did kind of the old thing that they did during World War II where they sent out comic books to the frontline troops. Oh, is, yeah. And I feel like that would be a great way. I wish I, I wish I, my dream is to kind of get that program going again in some way, shape or form, because I think that was the best way to kind of influence, you know, future readership because all these, you know, young someone, most of them teenage men, you know, came home from war. Yeah. Having read all of these comics and enjoyed, you know, seeing Captain America and Batman and Superman, you know, and Wonder Woman and all these, you know, characters they probably wouldn't have even seen or interacted with before. Yeah. And kind of dive into these stories and it kind of opened the the kind of world for the future of comic books, especially towards the, the 60s and 70s where things finally started getting darker and kind of taking on darker tones as these GIs were finally mature enough and experienced enough to start writing their own stories and stuff. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think the library incentive is a good thing, but I think there's a few things that they've dropped along the line that could also help boost the industry a little bit and kind of fortify uh, its base for the future. And, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, the United States is still in several wars. Um, we like to pretend we're not, but we are. <laughs> oh, um, we could still definitely be supporting our troops yeah. by giving them some, you know, good reading material yeah. assuming it's good yeah and like you know I, i'm a vet i was in the army uh, i was an infantryman you know they would have these like little pamphlets at the like the px and stuff but it's basically advertisement for like products <laughs> that they would give to us it is basically like superman uses blah 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 toothpaste blah 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 and then it shows it's like that snickers ad that always tricks me when i come across yeah. it there's a snickers ad that's notorious in the comics right now where you flip the page and you think it's continuing the story you're reading and you're like whoa where, when, when did flash get here what's going on and then you get to the end of it and you realize it's a fucking snickers ad and you're like god damn it it's that it was that sort of thing um but yeah a good initiative always great to support local libraries and kind of get more kids into the comic books and reading anything whether it's graphic novels or something else oh yeah uh next up in the news dc and target have strict stricken a deal for an exclusive 100 page giant issue uh of a kind of unique dc primal age uh story um, this is based on a Funko toy line, which is kind of a weird situation. It's kind of like, um, like the motorcycle girls that they kind of had going with statues and then they made a comic for it. Comics yeah. terrible. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it, but it was kind of cool that they kind of took a, a toy idea and made it into something real fun. And it looks like they're trying to do something like that with DC primal age. Uh, it's basically like a Conan the barbarian version <laughs> of the justice league. Um, so if you're interested in that, look forward to it. Uh, it will be exclusively at Target stores. And um, 
you know, if you have the extra money to spend, go ahead and pick that up. Now, there are uh, similar deals with Walmart where they, they make a lot of like 100-page variants, or not variants, but uh, volumes that they kind of release at uh, Walmart stores exclusively, just a, basically a condensed version of whatever storyline they started right. with for the new reboot. They got one for Flash and Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, those things. So it's not unheard of, but it's it's kind of neat when we do see it. And again, that's uh, Chris Arendt that published that there on Newsarama. Another story from Chris Arendt on Newsarama. Uh, Marvel Cats variants will be available for purchase this spring. Um, basically, I thought it was kind of funny, so I thought I'd throw it in there. Uh, the whole Marvel variant event for the month of February into March is going to be cat variants. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. What a waste. <laughs> But it's kind of fun, so I'm going to put it there. Hey, here's my question. Why would we give a cat variant to someone like Wolverine? Because he, it's perfect. He already perfect. looks like he has to hack up a fucking hairball anytime he wakes up. <laughs> By the way, Newsarama, fix your ads, dude. Ugh. Oh, It's so hard to read your, your stuff. I'm trying to promote your website here. Uh... <laughs> Next up, uh, this one j- just c- collectively credited to the Newsarama staff. Yeah, uh, I th- I just thought it, it's not necessarily American comics related, but it's you know anime manga related. Uh, the Dragon Ball Super Brawly movie uh, has hit number one at the U.S. box office, which is pretty incredible for an animated film. Um, yeah, the, especially a, an animated film that has a very limited release. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it. I'll probably see it sometime this week. You know, as long as it stays in theaters long enough. But based on the money it's been making, I Ooh. I think we're it's a pretty safe bet. So I just thought that was a fun piece of news that I'd throw in there for all the uh, weebs out there, <laughs> <laughs> including myself. Um, Weeb corner. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh it looks really cool. You know, the storyline for the original Brawly was real dumb. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the summary, but the uh <clears throat> the first few Dragon Ball Z VHS, you know, straight to VHS movies mm-hmm. had a lot of music that was from popular bands at the time, like Disturbed, Drowning Pool, Deftones uh pantera like <laughs> they just brought out the big guns for all of these albums uh american pearl is another one that i got introduced to through a dragon ball <laughs> z movie um breaking point um but it w- you can't find them anymore in, the, in that version because the copyrights were only for that initial version on the vhs like the dvds have some weird instrumental music that doesn't really fit and you know, it, you can't really find them anymore, which is kind of a bummer because I love that they had the music on there. They even had like a little like holographic sticker that was stuck to the outside of the plastic VHS case that said, you know, featuring music from blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it just added that extra something to the, the movie. And that's one strong suit of the Brawly movies that it's got a bunch of unique music in it. The weak suit of the Brawly movie is that the the story is basically that Brawly's pissed because Goku cried louder as a baby, <laughs> and so he wants to murder him irrationally, and everybody associated with him is like that's stupid. Oh, and Vegeta poops his pants for about an hour of the movie, and then he joins the fight and immediately gets his shit knocked in, and uh, yeah, 
it was real dumb <laughs> it was a real dumb movie i don't i don't understand why brawley has the pool he does but hopefully this movie retcons that and makes him interesting again so it's like he's he's so cool but that's so dumb it's real dumb <laughs> it, it was really dumb uh next up in uh, comic book news again from chris errant uh, Newsarama. Vin Diesel has welcomed us to the Valiant era and his first bloodshot photo. It's a pretty underwhelming photo. It's literally just Is it Vin just Diesel being Vin Diesel and having some camo on. Yeah, and some army fatigues. It looks like he's got multi cam on. That's really underwhelming. I don't know why this is even relevant. I don't know it's why like, he posted it. Is it, that for Valiant or is that him just about to go hunting? Yeah. I don't. Also, I don't know if I want to see Vin Diesel's bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like a bad idea from the get go. He's also pretty old at this point. Yeah. I don't know if that was the best idea. He's not really jacked anymore. He's kind of a. He's kind of got dad by going on. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure he can get fit, but you know. Here's the thing that. I don't know if anyone's like caught wind of this, but Valiant already has something on YouTube going with the the guys <laughs> over at Bat in the Sun. Yeah, where they're they're diving straight in, like doing like Ninja K, Exo Manowar, yeah. Bloodshot, like all of them in like one thing, where they're all trying to get. Ninja K or Ninjack, however you want to pronounce that bullshit. Yeah. Um, hilariously, the guy playing Bloodshot in that one is none other than the Green Ranger himself, Jason David Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. I'm totally down. Uh, the, the guy that they got playing Ninjack... Uh, he was on the the show Arrow for like a hot second, playing the role of uh, what was it, Deadshot? Okay, yeah, I ne- it, I never got that far because, quite frankly, I can't stand Stephen Amell's acting. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's he, just I'm sorry, you don't like his acting. Yeah, it, you'd remember this guy by distinctly being not Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't remind me of that movie, please. I beg you. Let's not reference that movie ever. <laughs> Just let it fade. Let it fade away. This is my friend Katana. <laughs> he Her got me this movie, so I am obligated. I am obligated <laughs> to look at this stupid Blu-ray on my shelf for the rest of time because my good friend gave it to me. Yep. And I can't fucking get rid of it. Yep. I hate you. Yep. I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> this movie's terrible. You, could, you should just let me enjoy my illusions. <laughs> or delusions. I will never let you live in ignorance. <sighs> no matter how bad you want to. I miss bliss. I miss it so much. Next on the news, uh, this one I just thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Tom King, uh, writer of um, uh, Grayson, uh, Mr. Miracle, and uh, what's Heroes in Crisis. Heroes in Crisis, thank you. The one that I keep reading, even though I wish I wasn't. Um, <clears throat> is giving away his comic books to federal employees following government shutdown. Tom King, really good writer. 
I don't think his work is the stuff you should be giving to <laughs> unemployed workers who are not getting paid and being screwed over by the government. Right. Because, quite frankly, your stuff is depressing. Y- yeah. Like, really depressing. And you're going to make these poor people hang themselves. <laughs> so, if, so, If anything, you should be advocating to someone like in D.C. who, I don't know has writing that inspires hope <laughs> something along those lines uh, who's writing superman right now i'm not sure i can't think of it oh yep nope never mind it's brian michael bendis <laughs> <laughs> uh somebody else anybody else <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh except for jeff you know, johns why don't you send some stuff yeah jeff johns um, please but yeah it's a really nice gesture by Tom King. He's a he's a really good writer. He's one of the new kind of big names in comics. Although Heroes in Crisis, I'm not really a big fan of, but um, I just don't think your content is what they need when nope. they're at a low point right now. Um, like, very nice gesture. Just thought you should get a shout out, but maybe see if you can borrow some uh, other writer's stuff to give away. Yeah, whatever you do, don't give them Mr. Miracle number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's real depressing. <laughs> don't give them the book that uh, literally has a suicide on the first issue. In, the, in first the first page. page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, d- uh, don't give them Heroes in Crisis either. Yeah, please, please. don't. Please don't. That's... That's not what they need right now. Don't, don't give them your you Good, know what, great maybe, intentions. Yeah, again, give them someone else's book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up on the news, uh, this is just kind of a cool note. Again, Chris Arendt, uh, editor at Newsarama. Comic book Kickstarters raised $15 million in 2018 for new projects. Just thought that was pretty cool. Uh, basically, self-producing creators have been seeking help from avenues like patreon and kickstarter and whatnot to raise money to kind of take on their own creative vision and i think that's a great thing it's really you know it's hard to publish these books and actually get eyes on them yeah uh, without a big publisher under your belt you know a dc a marvel vertigo uh you know dark horse a boom uh you know whatever whatever the case may be or a big Uh, publisher trying to get at you yeah um and it's also kind of nice because it incentivizes you to create the full product before you release it because you've already been paid right so um very interesting very cool i think it's a great thing uh that people are able to get their creative vision kind of supported and pushed out hopefully people aren't dropping the ball these creators aren't dropping the ball because that is a problem with kickstarters specifically patreons less so because you got kind of tiers that you got to honor and yeah. it's a month-to-month thing, you know. It's a small contribution month-to-month, and you can cancel it at any time. Hey, hey! How about <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Hit the Books? Yeah, donate once, donate every month, small amount. Yeah. Don't like it, get your money back. Whatever. Yeah, yeah it's still totally cool. A little bit, a little bit. Shameless self-promotion. Way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's really cool to see, and I just thought that was a cool little note that I'd toss in there. Uh, next up on the news. Uh, we have to discuss the big trailer that came out this week. Oh, the big one. Yep. Spider-Man Far From Home got its first trailer. Um, I think this is one of the f- few missteps that the Marvel marketing group has committed. A, I think that they made a huge mistake in announcing all the titles after Infinity War. 
Yeah. Um, that ooh, that that has taken away so much of the what should have been ongoing steam yeah. from Infinity Wars like very Yeah. Oh god, that Sp- ending. Specifically Spider-Man Far From Home and specifically the Black Panther 2 movie, whatever it ends up being, like Ant-Man and the Wasp you can get away with because we know that it's happening before Infinity War. Right. Um, Captain Marvel, it's a movie in the 90s, so you can get away with telling that story without spoiling <laughs> things that are likely going to happen in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And I think that was a huge miscalculation. Like, you really... People are going to see these movies. You don't need to promote this stuff this early. Just let it go have the trailer at the end of like avengers endgame or something as like instead of an extra credits thing have the new trailer yeah you know, something like that. that would be cool um but uh i think it's one of the few missteps as far as the trailer goes i i thought it was cool and interesting and i again i lo- really like the cast spider-man homecoming is probably my favorite marvel movie um unfortunately i didn't see michael keaton in it makes me sad um, but I did. We love Birdman. But I did see MJ, and I love me some MJ. MJ is great, quirkiness and all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love his his buddy, who always seems to get the short end of the stick. His fat Polynesian <laughs> buddy. Uh, oh yeah, he's wonderful. <laughs> My favorite guy in the chair. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he entertains me. Um, but uh, I thought the trailer overall was pretty interesting. It gives you a lot of kind of clues as to what's going on in this mo- movie, uh, what probably happens in Endgame. Uh, notable characters there, notable characters not there. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. I got some theories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I thought it was a pretty solid trailer. I don't understand why they have to go to Italy <laughs> to, to oh. fight a white American dude. Who's... Oh, you know exactly why they're doing that. Vacation. <laughs> European vacation. Woo. Yeah, next, National Lampoon. I mean, Spider-Man. Next one's going to be Christmas vacation, and then we're going to have Las Vegas vacation. Can we just skip to Home Alone? National <laughs> Lampoon Spider-Man. <laughs> all we need is a cousin Eddie, and we're all set. Uh, I mean, if we're going to go full John Hughes, can we get, like, uh, Spider-Man Breakfast Club? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, what did you think of the trailer? Did you like it? Uh, hype meter. What? What it, are you? One to ten? Uh, uh, I'm at a solid seven. Uh, I'm not all the way up at a ten because one, it, it it's European vacation. Uh, like this is John Hughes all over again, and I love John Hughes, but it doesn't seem very daring at all. Uh, I can understand why other people would be at like hype. 11 for this given who they're fighting which is mysterio mysterio being another reason why my hype level... 619 ray mysterio <laughs> god damn it <laughs> sorry wrong one uh, is... that'd be great if he was fighting a random luchador in <laughs> italy that'd be cool Oh, we know what happens when Batman fights luchadors. <laughs> Crack. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, is Spider-Man fighting Mysterio, I anticipate this going one of two ways specifically, and we can talk about that a bit later, but 
it's because of my knowledge of Spider-Man, and more specifically, my knowledge of Mysterio, that my hype meter is at a 7 because I'm kind of already seeing what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm imagining, I'm sure this has been floating around the internet, but I'm imagining he's setting up some big illusion, pretending to be a hero to do something nefarious or manipulate Spider-Man or whatever the case may be. It's like his Um, name's Mysterio or something. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, Get in your (laughs) fishbowl. Yeah, actually, uh, my hype meter is up to an 8. Uh, fishbowl confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be one thing if they were just trying to do something weird with his head and kind of make it like, it's all like yeah. wavy lines and whatnot. No, fishbowl confirmed. Yeah. Okay, I'm up to an eight now. I'm also <laughs> a little disappointed because I was hoping they wouldn't show the trailer for the Spider-Man movie uh, before Endgame because I, I liked kind of entertaining the theory that something crazy goes on and we get like a Miles Morales Spider-Man. Yeah. And since it's titled Far From Home, it could be like, yeah, we got Peter Parker back, but he's out in space or something crazy. Right. You know, I thought that like a, you know, almost like the, was it Spider-Man 3000 or whatever it was where he's in the future? Oh, 2099. I, yeah, that's the, that's the one. And he's, he's kind of in this weird situation in space and he's got a different suit and all these things because of the shenanigans of Avengers Endgame. Yeah. That would be cool. But yeah. no, Far From Home is just Italy, apparently. <laughs> he's literally flown to a different planet, but <laughs> Italy is Far From Home. Uh, all right. Okay. Thanks, Marvel. All right. But that's that's just me. I, again, I think it's one of the few missteps their marketing team has committed. And I, I think they would have been better off showing a little restraint in yeah. that regard. You know? Oh, uh, there's another reason why I'm actually going to dial my hype back down to a 7. Um, there have already been spots that confirm where exactly Far From Home takes place. And it takes place after. Yep. So they and another mistake they that, confirmed that is another mistake confirmed that it's happening after which kind of again kind of sucks yeah it, now we pretty much know that Infinity War didn't really matter and Endgame is going to reverse it all with Ant Man's quantum realm shenanigans most likely most likely yeah 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 so thanks Ant Man a <laughs> little bit of a bummer there. Kind of takes my hype meter down for all of these movies <laughs> quite a bit. But I love Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. He's so good. He really is, though. And that death squeal. Every time, oh. he, every movie that he has that death squeal. You know, I don't remember if he did it in Civil War, but he definitely did it in Infinity War and, and Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah. Man, he sells that death squeal oh, so God. hard. <laughs> oh, he's so good at sounding it, like he's about to die. It brings me to like my wits end emotionally. <laughs> I just want to protect this little kid. <laughs> no. No, Tom. Somebody no. save my precious boy. <laughs> <laughs> just takes every like paternal instinct I have like and just rips it all to shreds <laughs> it, but then builds it right back up and reassures you that 
he is in fact spider-man <laughs> <laughs> like it's okay it's okay yeah. i know you want to save him but you have to let him save himself yeah. that is he's he's a great actor he's doing a great job oh. I'm, I'm glad that he's gotten to shine as much as he has yeah he's very good yeah next up on the news uh we've had the diamond gem awards uh which is their yearly comic book awards that uh diamond who is basically the distributor of most major comic companies and their physical form uh and they do a little awards uh ceremony uh stuff like best new artist best new creator best new book you know all those sorts of things uh looks like dc got the majority of them oh my god newsarama (laughs) please stop with these videos these autoplay videos are killing me um but dc kind of dominated uh the awards there um 2018 comic book publisher of the year went to DC Entertainment. Comic book publisher uh, of the year runner-up was Boom Studios. Uh, 2018 backlist publisher of the year was Image Comics. No surprise there. Uh, 2018 top dollar comic book publisher was Marvel Comics. This because of volume, not because of necessarily sales. Right. Typically, and it's true for this month. Spoiler alert for the next news item. Yeah. But DC typically dominates individual sales while marvel dominates volume which obviously gives them more money overall uh next up 2018 publisher or manga publisher of the year went to viz media 2018 game manufacturer of the year went to WizKids NECA. I'm, I'm guessing that's you know either mobile games or something like that board games 2018 toy manufacturer of the year diamonds like toys <laughs> uh they awarded themselves i think that's kind of funny um 2018 comic book of the year was heroes in crisis number one which i completely disagree with uh and then uh the runner-up was action comics number 1000 which is just a collection of short stories so i don't see uh that doesn't make sense (laughs) to me maybe it it was a good seller for them but i don't think quality wise either of those books were up to snuff it's still dumb i think there was a lot of better books out there this past year uh top dollar book was obviously action comics number 1000 no big surprise there new comic book series immortal hulk uh best all age series dc superhero girls which is becoming a cartoon pretty soon um best licensed comic of the year was stranger things number one from dark horse of course <laughs> um original graphic novel of the year my heroes have always been junkies from image comics um Let's see here. Indie graphic novel of the year, Berlin, the complete edition. Uh, looks like it was a tie between them and Drawn and Quarterly. Uh, let's see here. Anthology of the year, Thanos Legacy number one. Uh, let's see here. Any other real big ones that are worth mentioning? So the rest is just like toys and stuff like that. So a lot of cool awards on there. It's nice that they do that every year. I think it's a little silly that they basically give it to whichever sold the most not necessarily what was the best in quality but okay right um take it as you will uh next up on the news we have the comic book sales charts for december last episode we got the sales charts for the previous year this one's actually for the full month of december we kind of conflated that a little bit at the beginning of the news topic last week apologize for that just to be clear this is for december and only december um and this brought to us by Michael Doran, who is the managing editor at Newsarama. 
again, these videos are killing me, guys. You really got to do something about these autoplay videos. Um, they shouldn't follow me as I scroll around your page and block everything we're trying to read. Right. Um, let's see here. So here's the list and the breakdown. Oh, my God, these videos. <laughs> they're not even advertisements. It's just BS that they put on the page. Yeah. Um, uh, retail market share, once again, you know, Marvel Comics has most of the share, mostly because of volume. DC has the best sales per unit. Um, currently running with uh, Marvel Comics as a unit market share of 44.09%. So almost half of the volume <laughs> of product being put on the shelves is Marvel. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not necessarily selling. <laughs> they, they release a lot of books. Yeah, yeah, they can they can basically pay for that yeah. space. So yeah, DC's not too far behind. They're at thirty percent there. Image Comics at nine percent. IDW at about four percent. Boom at uh, just over two percent. Dark Horse just over two percent. Dynamite just over two percent. Valiant just under one. Uh, Titan and then Archie Comics and everything else uh, together is about four percent. Uh, comparative sales numbers, uh, let's go year over year because month over month is very holiday centric information. Yeah. Uh, year over year, uh, comics, uh, as a whole, uh, the sales are up. It looks like, I feel like they need to label these a little better. It looks like, um, comics as a whole are up about 9.29%. So about 10%, which is good to see. Graphic novels are down considerably. About 27%, which is pretty bad. Uh, and then total overall uh, is about negative uh, 2%. Um, and they report on toys here. It looks like toys are definitely going downhill. It's probably just because everything's digital now. Yeah. Um, including children's entertainment. Um, uh, again, just kind of giving you the disparity. Uh, new titles shipped. Uh, by Marvel Comics, 128. The next one, DC at 90. (laughs) And then if you look at just comics, like individual actual comic book issues, Marvel's at 90, DC's at 52, Images at 52, uh, IDW at 32, Boom at 24, Dark Horse at 21. So pretty big discrepancy there. A little bit. A lot of volume there. Uh, The top 10 comics by units shipped. Uh, for last month, Batman, the Batman who laughs, number one. Again, I'm not, <laughs> I get that he looks neat, he's savage, but uh, it's in a world <laughs> in a lore that's really, really dumb. Um, but that was the number one issue, no surprise there. Number two is Batman Damned, otherwise known as Bat Penis, number two, <laughs> uh, which I still need to dive into. I really want to get into it. And it's exactly what I want in a cult book. So, <laughs> um, number three, Doomsday Clock, number eight. Again, this comic is taking way too long to produce. Yep. Um, number four, Batman, number 60. Number five, Batman, number 61. So, again, you can see the top five selling comics are all DC books. But yep. because of volume, Marvel <laughs> has overtaken them. Um, number six, Amazing Spider Man, number 11. Number seven, Fantastic Four. Number five, so it's cool to see Fantastic Four selling pretty well. Um, number eight, Amazing Spider-Man. Number 12, number nine, Batman Annual. Number three, 
And number 10, Shazam number one. Look at Shazam getting some love. Hey. Yeah, that Sh- makes me happy. Shazam's coming up. Yeah. Um, so those are some fun stats for you. Just thought uh, you might enjoy that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. It seems like the comic book industry is stabilizing a little bit. It's kind of plateauing where it's going to be. Um, and that might be a good thing for the, the future of the industry. I think there's some business practices we still need to work on a little bit. You know, We need a little bit more quality, a little less volume from Marvel. We need a little bit more uh, actual editing <laughs> from these editors. Yes, please. Uh, yeah. For the love of God. And for the, yeah, these Snickers ads, you got to do something about this. It's pissing me off. It, it come up with it catches me almost every time because I'm so engrossed in the panels, and right. I get to the next panel, and I'm like, "Wait, what's? Did I miss something? What's going on here?" And Snickers ad, damn it, not again! It's like when you go through a parking lot and you think there's a parking spot open, yeah, and then it's just like one of those it's, little it's just tiny this fucking small car. smart car or something, uh, you know? And you're like, "Damn it!" It's like son of a bitch, got me again. It's, it's like, here's the thing, Snickers, you are not tied. Okay, you can't just <laughs> pretend you are part of the, like your regularly scheduled pro- programming and say, "Oh, you thought this was what this is. This is actually a Tide ad." Gotcha. <laughs> uh, Tide can do that. Snickers, stop. And then to wrap up the news, uh, we have unfortunately another episode of Delay Corner. Delay Corner. Delayed. Um, this time it comes from Marvel. Uh, Fantastic Four and Tony Stark's Iron Man issues are being pushed back. Again, this is coming from Newsarama, Chris Arendt. Um, Fantastic Four number seven and Fantastic Four number eight uh, are now set to come out a few weeks later than originally posted. February 27th for number seven and March 27th for number eight. Meanwhile, Tony Stark, Iron Man number nine and number ten are now expected to come out a few weeks later on March thirteenth and April seventeenth, respectively. So these these are series that have experienced delays already and are experiencing a few more delays. Again, we always harp on this. You know, the easiest way to kill your comic book is to not release it on time. Yeah, um, that's. I don't understand why the business model is the paycheck-to-paycheck, month-to-month, week-to-week system that it is, because it forces everybody to be crunching all the time. All the artists are constantly crunching to try to make these things in the expected time frame. If, if you stumble or you have a family emergency or anything happens you know, out of the realm of expectation, you're fucked. And then your your consumer base doesn't see your buck for you know a month, two months, three months, four months. And then they they don't feel like going back to catch up with what the hell was happening and try to remember what was going on just to read this one issue. And knowing that they're not going to get another issue for another several weeks, they'd rather just wait for the volume to come out and hopefully enjoy that. (laughs) So, yeah, stories like this really thrive on momentum. Yeah. When you lose that, you are likely to lose sales every time. So that's uh, always a little bit disappointing and unfortunate to see. Hopefully, all these companies, kind of specifically DC and Marvel, get their shit together and kind of stop delaying all these books. And if you are going to delay, please have a good reason. <laughs> yeah, give us a good, solid reason. Not that our business practice is garbage and we just didn't feel like making the comic on time this month. Like, <laughs> you know, 
It's it puts too much pressure on your creators. It makes the product less complete, less coherent. Um, it often brings down the quality, especially towards the end of the issues. You know, there's usually a discernible difference between the artwork at the beginning of the book's run and the end of the book's run. And yeah. it's always because they're trying to crunch these <laughs> these these books out. You we know? gotta meet a deadline. And if you just hurry it up, it's like uh, sorry, pay, we can't gotta yeah. delay it. If you just commission them and then pay it a percentage of the proceeds later after it's complete and given to you to be split up into parts, that'd be a much better system, and it'd probably be a much more stable system, and probably save both all of these companies a lot of money in the long run. It really uh, would. Maybe even make you quite a bit of money because you wouldn't lose your your reader base yeah um but that's just me we rant on it every single week every time fingers crossed somebody listens one of these days one of these days we we keep laying it out one of these days they're gonna listen and that my friends is the news hit the books hit the books which books are we hitting this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. Ooh, ooh, product ad. Ooh, oh, yeah, oh nope. not yet, yet, no yet, product yet, there. Yep, we're we're not labeling out. I don't we're know labeling, what you're talking about. We're labeling in. Cut, cut, hard cut. Yeah, hard cut. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, do we got to do that again? Nah, that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just chop it up a little bit. Yep. We don't want to show alcoholic beverages on our... <laughs> On our kid-friendly, kid-friendly pr- channel. <laughs> fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this podcast probably isn't for kids. So. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so uh, we're kind of running long here, so I'm going to try to power through these real quick. Yep. Um, whew, we're probably, our camera's probably going to die. So there's going to be an awkward transition somewhere in here. I apologize. Our camera runs on a certain amount of juice, and there's no way for us to plug it in and record at the same time. Apologies. But we'll try to get through as much as we can. All right. Uh, and again, as a reminder, uh, since uh, we were last running, we've decided to kind of cut down on the number of companies that we read every week uh, as far as the new releases. Because, quite frankly, there's just so many. And, you know, we just told you how many Marvel was releasing yeah. every month. And it's ridiculous. You know, just that one company alone. And uh, if you watch our YouTube videos... Um, I actually do spend a ridiculous amount of time putting each cover in our YouTube vi- video so you can actually see the cover of the comic as I read them off and kind of see if they pique your interest or not. So yeah, it takes me a lot of time and it's really tedious. So I hope you appreciate it. But unfortunately, because of how tedious and time consuming it is, we have to cut some of the smaller companies like Titan, like Scout, like Valiant. These are companies we used to read every week but it's just archie it just it takes too much time to read all of them um but we'll still read out the main ones you know dc marvel boom dynamite idw dark horse vertigo those are the big ones so yeah image image definitely yeah Yeah. the other companies you can always find on freshcomics.us uh, as yep. we had mentioned before. Once again, really great website, really yeah. great resource if you're a comic book fan, especially if you're going to your local comic book shops every week. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously run by some great people who are very much, who care very much about the, uh, the entire business there. So, yeah. It's uh, good for, for the ethos. Yeah. Uh, first up, from Marvel Comics, we have Avengers number 13. 
We have Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, number two. We have Guardians of the Galaxy, number one. We have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 39. We have Shuri, number four. We have Star Wars, number 60. We have The Crypt of Shadows, number one. We have The Immortal Hulk, number 12. We have The Man Without Fear, number four. We have The Superior Spider-Man, number two. We have Uncanny X-Men Annual, number one. We have War is Hell, number one. And that wraps up Marvel. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have A Game of Thrones, A Clash of Kings, number 15. We have Betty Page, number two. Because Dynamite loves boobs. Yeah, they do. We have Kiss, Blood and Stardust, number four. Love gun. <laughs> uh, we have Mars Attacks, number four. From IDW Publishing, we have DuckTales. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> Strained that one a little bit, huh? <laughs> a little bit. DuckTales, number 17. We have, let's see here, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number three. We have GoBots, number three. GoBots. Something I haven't heard in a long, long time. Probably for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> we have My Little Pony, uh, Friendship is Magic, number 74, for you bronies out there. We have uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number four. I wish they would go back down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not too big a fan of the new version of animated turtles there. Yep. Nope. Uh, uh, next up, we have Star Trek The Next Generation Terra Incognita, number six. Ooh, TNG. Oh, yeah. The best version. Damn right. Uh, we have Sukaban Turbo, number three. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. Interesting. Sukaban. 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 We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 90. Ooh, those I like. We have, let's see here. That's it. All right. That's it from IDW. From DC Comics, we have Aquaman, number 44. Looking pretty good. I need to catch up on my Aquaman. <laughs> my man. My man. <laughs> Rob Zombie before Rob Zombie was Rob Zombie. Ooh. <laughs> it was Aquaman. <laughs> starring Jason Momoa. You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Batman, number 63, featuring... Constantine. Constantine. <laughs> Hashtag save Constantine. Yep, yep. Sorry, cut you off there, buddy. It was my bad. <laughs> uh, it, don't worry. The cutoff doesn't last long. <laughs> but you know it will last long. Hashtag save Constantine. Save Constantine. Ooh, you D damn right. DC Universe, I will give you my money if you put Constantine, not the animated show, an actual live-action Constantine based on the M. NBC version of Constantine. With Matt Ryan. With Matt Ryan. Has to be Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. Uh, next Definitive. <laughs> <laughs> next up, we have uh, Damage, number 13. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very surprised this book is even still going. It was awful when we started reading it last year. Freaking uh, for the one-hour Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> the, DC did this whole new age of DC heroes. A lot of them were great and interesting. Kind of rip-offs, a lot of them, unfortunately. But yeah. still really enjoyable. Damage was not one of them. <laughs> Damage is real bad. Uh, next up, we have Freedom Fighters, number two. Uh, we have Justice League, number 16, featuring Martian Manhunter. Thank you for bringing him back. Original founding member. Yeah. Let's not ignore him for like three years again. Please. Uh, <laughs> He's a great character. 
Next up, we have a new uh, character in the Wonder Comics series, which is the younger skewed one, Naomi. We'll see what the deal with that one is. Interesting. Don't really know yet, but it looks interesting. Yeah. Uh, We have Pearl, number six, which is one of the Jinx World comics from Brian Michael Bendis's exterior world there. We have Shazam, number two, unfortunately, featuring the whole Shazam family, which uh, Mm -hmm. I wasn't a fan of in the first issue, but I did like everything else about the first issue, so I'm going to read it. It's just, you know, focus it on the title character for a little bit. Yeah. We have Sideways, number 12, which is a really good book, even though it's basically a Spider-Man ripoff. Uh, (laughs) And a terrible, terrible name. Yeah. Uh, Please don't use an adjective to... uh, describe your 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 character's name there um <laughs> sideways uh next up we have teen titans led by damian wayne <laughs> number 26 uh, who let this child in here meanwhile tim drake is leading the children the baby justice league it's, it's uh, a bit of a mismatch we have teen titans go number 32 your boys we have the curse of brimstone annual number one my boy <laughs> it looks like Swamp Thing and Constantine are going to be in it. Hell okay, yeah. Okay, now I'm all in. <laughs> uh, and we have the Wildstorm, number 19, which I love Wildstorm specifically because I love Grifter. And I love Wildstorm because uh, it's Warren Ellis writing. <laughs> also a good starting point for anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up from Boom Studios, we have Beneath the Dark Crystal, number six. We have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number one. We have a lot of variants for it. Over the Garden Wall, Hollow Town, number five. We have Smooth Criminals, number three. We have Steven Universe, number 24. And that wraps up Boom. All right. Uh, from Image Comics, we have Exo... Exor. Oh, there's an R in there. Exorcisters? Exorcisters. It's a little hard to say the first huh. time. Yeah. Exorcisters, number four. We have Hardcore, number two. Hardcore Parkour. <laughs> we have Monstrous, number 19. Get hyped. Oh, it's back, boy. Santa Takeda, wonderful artist. Uh, she always seems to draw the same exact thing, but I love it every time. <laughs> it's very pretty. Uh, and Monstrous is a great book. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Oliver, number one, which has a very interesting uh, description from what Emery and I were reading before the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, next up, we have Outcast, number 38. We have Regression, number 15. We have The Beauty, number 26. And that wraps up Image. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Aliens Resistance, number one, with a pretty cool variant cover there. Uh, we have Hellboy and the BPRD, 1956 number three interesting we have light step number three we have starcraft soldiers number one we have the whispering dark number four and we have the witcher number two of flesh and flame another witcher short run there from vertigo we have american carnage number three we have cover number five we have lucifer number four that wraps up vertigo and that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now, it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay, life-changing award of cover and variant cover of the week from Hit the Books Podcast. <gasps> First, the cover of the week award goes to none other than Vertigo's Lucifer number four. 
which happens to be a Sandman Universe tie-in, which has been consistently winning covers of the week. Yeah. (laughs) uh, For at least the past two weeks. Um, They're very good. Yeah. Um, This one has been done by uh, Joni Montez, spelled G-O-N-I, Joni or Goni, I'm assuming Joni. Yep. Joni Montez. Um, This cover has a really cool aesthetic to it. It uh, seems to have a very kind of raw, uh, very kind of like uh, artist notebook sketch type of look to it. Like something you would see in a personal collection of sketches, you know, that that an artist is working on when brainstorming or coming up with creative new ideas. And it just reeks of that. It just reeks of creative new ideas. And much like a lot of the other different uh, artists working on the other different Sandman universe books, everybody's just giving it their all and kind of putting their own unique spin on it. And it really stands out. I think it's a cover that's going to really stand out on the shelves. It might not have the same kind of color pop that other comics might have, but it aesthetically has a great and unique uh, look to it that I think will really catch people's attention uh, and really look great hanging up on your wall. Which is definitely recommended. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'm going to say about this is that there's uh, the imagery itself here evokes a sense of symbolism. Uh, you can see that there's someone who looks like they're crawling outside of someone's insides, mm-hmm. uh, looking somewhat disheveled and old and whatnot. And there appears to be some kind of cross that's either... Uh, fashioned out of whatever this person's made of mm-hmm. or whatnot. It's very it's very much uh, a piece that like if there's any case for saying that these books are works of art images like this are really the ones that will help make that case. Yeah, It, it really looks like something you would see in like da vinci's notebook or something that's yeah that's what it reminds me of you know kind of the vitruvian man or something like that you know that sort of cool unique creative aesthetic um and i I just really dig it so good on you great job joni montez it's a wonderful cover and i hope it sells gangbusters i really need to get into these sandman universe books um i I read the original sandman run uh by neil gaiman uh, I did not read the follow-up that happened a, a few years ago. I think two or three years ago, he had his own like kind of basically Sandman two type yeah. of deal going on, and I guess he did a lot of world building in that one. Uh, and I, I, I mean, those books are aesthetically really, really cool and unique internally. The illustration is amazing in those books. Now, I really need to get caught up on all the Sandman stuff and see if it's worth really diving into all these different uh, Sandman universe books, you know. Yeah. Lucifer, I'm assuming this is the same Lucifer that's usually used in, like, Constantine books and stuff like that. But Lucifer is usually known more for being on a different end of the spectrum, not necessarily in the Sandman universe. But um, I can see how Lucifer could be an easy con- contributor to the kind of franchise there. So. Oh, easily. Definitely look forward to that. There will be a did the content match the drapes on this somewhere in the future uh, of the show. So look forward to that. Once again, great job, Joni Montez. Um, next up for our variant cover of the week from Hit the Books Podcast, 
We have Uncanny X-Men Annual, number one. This one is the Edward Petrovich uh, variant cover. And this one is kind of the uh, classic uh, Cyclops aesthetic with kind of a art style of oh, uh, maybe the late 90s and like early 2000s. Yeah, lots yeah. of uh, sharp corners, sharp edges. Yeah, definitely not the modern aesthetic that you kind of see on everything nowadays yeah it has a very squared off very not not quite john ramita jr <laughs> not square box everything but yeah, uh, not quite boxy all over it has a very uh, for lack of a better term kind of masculine vibe in that way <laughs> um which is appropriate it, it, since he looks like a giant blue penis <laughs> uh, now full caveat Emery and I have this discussion all the time. Yeah, we do. I think Cyclops sucks. I think he's the most <laughs> overrated character ever. And I think he's just a huge douchebag all the time. And, and I know you disagree. Yeah. I, will, I understand. I will <laughs> always say that Cyclops is a brilliant character that has the misfortune of being written by people who don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh the other caveat being that I'm not a fan of his no hair look. Like, I think the 90s did him a huge favor by getting rid of his blue. <laughs> On that, know, we agree. Penis like, dome I, head. Yeah, I uh, I would gladly take uh, 90s, like, amazing hair popping out of the, the top of his visor. Yeah. Cyclops over the whole, like, I'm covering everything but my mouth aesthetic, which... Yeah. It just seems unnecessary. Like, what? What? How is that helping you in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, like it, you're not a close combat guy. You don't have to worry about people pulling your hair. Right. You shoot laser beams out of your face. <laughs> <laughs> like you are very much a distance slash range character in terms of any kind of combat. Yeah. So, um, I. That being said. I still thought this was the best variant of the week, and I think you did too. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had some um, some pretty steady competition. There were some pretty good covers, you know, especially on the variant side of things this yeah. week. This was a very good week for variants. But uh, uh, ultimately, uh, Edward Petrovich's Uncanny X-Men number one annual uh, wanted out because it is such a very cool aesthetic it's, it's something you would expect to see on like promo art like a really good poster for promo art for a new yeah. you know new franchise run or something like that and i know the new version of uncanny x-men hasn't been going on too long but um it, it just has that kind of aesthetic and pull to it that i really think is unique and really cool uh petrovich has done a lot of covers that we've pointed out uh, i think he's maybe not last year but definitely in 2017 he won a few covers of the week i believe yeah. um but yeah really great cover so once again uh big congratulations to edward petrovich for his uncanny x-men annual number one variant cover and big congratulations to joni montez's uh lucifer number four and part of the sandman universe vertigo run there uh Really great covers from both of you. Really unique, really cool art aesthetic that uh, I think we can both really appreciate, and I hope you do too, fans. Uh, if you want to find out more about uh, the content inside, be sure to look forward to future Did the Content Match the Drapes. <laughs> Almost shorted you on this one after talking about the issue. <laughs> Almost. Uh, 
but we we caught ourselves before it was too late. So you did get your segment this week. Yep. Uh, so now for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we discuss a topic of our choosing about the world of comics. Uh, normally, we would have dedicated something much bigger to this. Like last year, we had an entire episode dedicated to our favorite covers of the year and an entire episode dedicated to our favorite books of the year um, as far as written aesthetic and story go and internal illustration. Um, last year, just to recap you, uh, our favorite books of the year uh, were Maestro's. Uh, that was my personal favorite of the year. Your favorite was Mr. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 2018 kind of changed that, uh, yeah. I'm assuming. Yes, it did. Uh, and then it our o- our overall favorite book of the year was Batman White Knight, which was just phenomenal. And honestly, it could have easily been our comic of the year this year. Oh, it could have. Because the second half of it was came out the first half of this year. Um, and it was just a great book. And it so, finished very strong. Yeah, so uh, John Murphy did a wonderful job. It's a fucking stellar book, and I hope they take little tidbits of the ideas you had and kind of ingrain them into the mainstream DC universe, because I think they deserve to be ingrained into the mainstream DC universe and brought a lot of uh, cool, fresh ideas uh, to the Batman canon. Yeah, uh, I would actually venture as far as to go against that and say let this man basically have at each and everything that marvel not marvel dc DC, uh has put out there and let him do his take on it because he's clearly proven that he can take like a a very uh old ingrained concept completely flip it on its head yeah and come out with something amazing yeah so um to try to keep things kind of fair and kind of progressive we're disqualifying anything that we chose as our favorite comic or cover uh from last year so uh, obviously artwork up. is not going to be included because it only comes out that one week right but stories obviously do overlap a little bit as they cross into the new year's so yeah unfortunately maestros mr miracle and batman white knight are not eligible this year for our favorite books yeah they won uh, last the time but and we're looking to gain some exposure for these other really good books yeah but maestros is probably in my top five favorite comics of all time i enjoyed it that much <laughs> It's so crazy and awesome and just so well put together. Uh, and yeah. it's a comedy book. You wouldn't think that of a comedy book. By the way, Will Beasley, former producer of the show, look what we got for you, buddy. Uh, per your Patreon tier, we do have that volume ready to go for you. We got oh, yeah. We got a few other little goodies that we're going to send your way. And again, shameless self-promotion. If you're interested in getting some of these uh, tier awards, be sure to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash hit the books, where you can help contribute to the show and earn some kind of cool rewards uh, for each tier you go up. We don't expect you to go to the level that Will Beasley, thank you once again, went to um, <laughs> by any means, but it, it, it is very helpful for us. If you do get to that level, you, you can expect something like this waiting for you yeah so um and then batman white knight it's uh, we've sung its praises so much and it deserves it we started reading it's so good (laughs) it is without a doubt my favorite batman story of all time all time yeah that's it 
It is you know? objectively the best written Batman story. Yeah. Is it doesn't go too long. It hits exactly all of the points it needs to. Yep. And it actually still leaves room for further exploration yep. for a different storyline. Yep. Death of the Family, uh, Court of Owls, uh, Longest Long Halloween. Ooh, uh, like God. all these, you know, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, you, you, Nightfall. I mean, you all of them. You name it. N- none of them can hold a candle to this story it is such a great and wonderful love story like love letter i should say <laughs> i'll make it a love story I, I, I mean it already kind of is a love story yeah. if you think about it it, it really is yeah <laughs> it's it's just a wonderful book so well written tons of stuff for new fans tons of stuff for old fans and it's just well put together coherent no delays no delays no delays that, that from is... beginning to end and it it looked and felt like it was prepared well ahead of time huge it, points in his favor it was it was wonderful so again big shout out to uh sean murphy you did an awesome job i know you were previously known as almost exclusively an artist but your first foray into actual writing and doing the artwork outstanding brilliant something to be really proud of write uh, more please <laughs> so with that we'll get into the final topic which is to go through our favorite books of last year and our favorite covers. We're only covering the covers that we covered on the episodes. There were a lot of awesome covers and books uh, that were going on uh, while we took our little hiatus there. I apologize. We're not going to include those because we can't reference them on our website or anything like that. Um, uh, but if you do have any of those that uh, we missed as a result of our hiatus, feel free to mention those in the comments. Yeah. So a lot of great books, a lot of great art. Um, you know, one it's it's just great so we're going to for convenience sake uh separate this out it's going to be part of the episode proper but it's also going to be its own individual video just like last year although i'm not going to have the two separate videos like last year where we had the covers of the year and then the books of the year Hmm. so with that let's get into it first let's talk about our favorite books of the year um for me uh my favorite uh book of the year is going to be Aquaman. <laughs> it sounds weird. Yeah. You know, we joke about Aquaman all the time. But, my man. <laughs> but Aquaman is legitimately one of my favorite DC characters, uh, specifically Arthur Curry's Ar- Aquaman, the one that grew up on, you know, on with land. his father at yeah. the lighthouse and didn't know much about his origins, just knew that he had these unique powers and his father told him stories about his mother and then all hell breaks loose and he's basically called back to <laughs> his mother's <laughs> homeland to kind of try to solve things using his kind of, you know, inheritance uh, as a political tool, more or less. Yeah. Uh, but Dan Abnett, who has been writing uh, a pretty, pretty long range of Aquaman stories, did an outstanding job with this. Uh, initially, he teamed up with Stepan Sajic, which is one of our most frequent uh, covers <laughs> of the week artists. Yep. Uh, and one of my favorite comic book artists, period. I think, unfortunately, he gets kind of a bad rap because he does use a lot of, like, kind of, you know, Photoshop enhanced artwork. And he has had a history of writing, like, kind of, like, smutty material that's 
that's good material but he 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 is very notorious for writing kind of or drawing kind of raunchy stuff and posting it Uh, on his twitter yeah adult oriented things he has a book called sunstone which is notorious as kind of a a comedy but set in a kind of like uh bondage adult aesthetic between a group of friends yeah and shenanigans ensue which are pretty fun and of know, course also saucy <laughs> and it's drawn extremely well uh one thing that Stephen sajik does better than i think anybody else in the the you know comic book world is he expresses characters emotions really well and there's a character in this run by dan abnett um who cannot speak who is almost exclusively interpreted through facial expressions and unfortunately, uh, Stepan Sajic didn't stay for the whole run. He went about, I'd say, three quarters to halfway, you know, yeah. somewhere in that range through the run. And then uh, Ricardo Federici took over the internal illustration from there. While Stepan Sajic kind of did a few covers for it, but more or less stayed out of the picture while he worked on some other projects. And Ricardo Federici is also a really great artist. But he brought a very different strength and skill set. Yeah. Whereas Stepan Sajic had a really bright and vivid and uh, I don't I don't like know vibrant. aesthetic aesthetically pleasing artwork style and expressive and emotionally you know well interpretive. Uh, Ricardo Federici brought more of a kind of like fairy tale storybook regal kind of aesthetic where everybody looks very regal and bold and you know again very detailed very impressive very technically sound from both of them but i i really leaned more towards the seven sagic version which was a little bit more emotionally coherent um whereas the ricardo federici was a little bit more emotionally dull but very bold and very impressive nonetheless yeah um but these are two really great artists i really that whole run of Aquaman is basically Aquaman dealing with the fallout. The people, you know, at the upper levels are saying, screw this guy. He's not from our world. Why <laughs> Why is he in charge of things? Things are going horribly awry because he doesn't know how to be a leader. He's a, you know, freaking lighthouse keeper. Right. You know? And Aquaman pretty much agrees. <laughs> um, and then Mara has her own influences from her kingdom. Uh, obviously pushing things there's kind of a very game of thronesy kind of scheme behind the scenes going on uh which unfortunately the aquaman movie tried to kind of address like it, they, they took a lot of ideas from dan, dan abnett's run but unfortunately didn't execute them very well in my opinion um so i i hope that people that enjoy that aspect of the aquaman movie actually go back and read this run of aquaman from early 2018 late 2017 and into mid 2018 because it was really an excellent run and it really dived into the subcultures throughout the you know the city you know, there were slums you know there were second class third class citizens there is kind of a caste system not unlike you know the classic indian caste system yeah. of the far east um and it just had a lot of really interesting points you know we had aquaman kind of being exiled and kind of trying to be a hero in exile and not a ruler for once, yeah. you know, uh, Mara kind of taking on way more responsibility than she originally anticipated, but being 
so qualified for the job that she kind of had to. And this kind of shoving a wrench in between Aquaman and Mara's relationship because they can't be together because he's in exile. He, he, you know, him being present alone is enough to dethrone any other Royal line. Yeah. According to their customs and traditions, which are not necessarily the most sound. (laughs) Uh, Whereas Mara is very, you know, strained by her own Royal blood and, you know, aesthetic from her kingdom and, you know, uh all these different factors obviously she's, she's very powerful with her kind of wa- water sorcery abilities and it's just, it's very cool very dynamic introduces new interesting dynamics for Orm, Aquaman, Mera, uh several new characters and cast members uh characters that got a new kind of um a new kind of life in this book whereas they were kind of forgotten about in previous incarnations yeah um and it's 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 easily my favorite Aquaman aesthetic story artwork to date. There, uh, there, I'd say there was one weak issue in there. It's a transitional issue. Uh, Stepan Sajic, I think it was thirty four. Stepan Sajic stopped working at thirty three. There's another artist that came in to work on a book, and I don't I don't know if Dan Abnett wrote the story for thirty four. I want to say it's 34, 35, somewhere in that range. And then Ricardo Federici took over right after. And it was a very jarring experience because clearly it was clearly a story that was just set, you know, aside because they needed a month to kind of catch up and get the new artist acclimated. Yeah. And it was very jarring, especially when I didn't realize that was going to happen. The artwork, the artwork suddenly took a huge downturn. I'm (laughs) sorry. I apologize to whichever artist that was, but they, it did not hold a candle to Stepan Sajic's previous work and did not stand up to Ricardo Federici's That's a you know, high bar to set. work that came after. So Aquaman uh, 2017 to 2018 run is my favorite comic of last year. So, Emery, what was your favorite comic of last year? My favorite comic of last year that is not either Maestro's Definitely not Mr. Miracle. <laughs> um, or Batman White Knight. Or Batman White Knight. Cave uh, Carson has an interstellar eye. Kind of out of nowhere with this book. Uh, it takes a little bit to catch up to it because there's a... The Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, which uh, happens before. Yeah. But... Uh, when we get to uh, him having an interstellar eye, uh, there's it's basically the story at that point of a dad who hosts a podcast about the adventures that he's had. In space. In space. <laughs> yeah. And just I, to give credit where it's due, uh, written by Jonathan Rivera yeah. and illustrated by Michael Avon Owing. So, really... Just want to throw those names out there. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Uh, Michael Avon Oming, you might have heard of him if you're uh, any kind of familiar with the book Powers, mm-hmm. which Brian Michael Bendis also wrote. Um, but this book, oh my God, <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, yeah. And there's this, this character called... What is his name? Uh, Prince? <laughs> I want to call him Prince. Yeah. 
It's, we obviously haven't read it in a while. It was a very, it was kind of a short run, unfortunately. It's, yeah. it's part of the Young Animal series um, that DC was running there. Um, yeah. There, there is a character that is basically a space god version of Prince. Pretty much. And it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first and second issue, I think. Yeah. And uh, there's a point in that book where this, uh, <laughs> this dad... <laughs> who's he he's done adventuring per se uh he goes and takes his daughter who is just now kind of uh getting used to who her father is and like understanding all that uh she realizes who that uh character who's basically prince in space <laughs> and he's like oh my god i need an autograph can you have me meet him and the adventure goes from there. I'm not going to spoil any more. Just, uh, you know, it was really good, really entertaining. Yeah. And, and really kind of timely. Doing the kind of backup, you know, research, you know, with uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. You don't have to read that ahead of time to enjoy it. I didn't. And I really, really enjoyed this book. I really got a kick out of it. It's, it's a lot of good fun. It's kind of like the tick in that it's really funny, like genuinely funny. Yeah. But it also has kind of a heartwarming aspect because the daughter is also coming, kind of forming her relationship with her father. Yeah. You know, she grew up with her mother and she was kind of a, and a, and a unique interstellar <laughs> situation. And she's yeah. kind of not only gaining respect for her father, but kind of learning how her father and mother met, you know, what what kind of things separated them, what kept them together, you know, there's all sorts of things. And so it's in addition to being over the top and silly and fun, it's also got a very kind of nice, you know, heartwarming aesthetic to it as well. Heartwarming uh, is definitely the word I would use. Yeah. So that was a great book. That's a great choice, Emery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, for our overall favorite book of the year, uh, we gave two to DC titles. I think it's only appropriate that we give one to a Marvel title. That's true. This year, we have to give it to Doctor Strange Damnation. Ooh. Now, man, this one was a doozy when it came out. Yeah. So this one totally caught us out of left field. Yeah. We, we were so yeah, down on Marvel's... <laughs> <laughs> products at that point i mean there's stuff like old man hawkeye which is pretty decent and you know a handful of like unrelated titles that were right kind of outside the main canon but were still pretty enjoyable yeah this but the is... main canon stuff had had us at such a low point that we had zero expectations for this book yeah this was like fresh into the uh uh captain hydra era which yeah. was like ooh. Yeah, it was pretty rough. It was really rough. <laughs> it was the roughest. Rough enough for Chris Evans to tweet, guys, say it ain't so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this book was written by Donny Cates. Guy did an outstanding job. Oh, outstanding. my God. It, this book was so entertaining. The dialogue was entertaining. The story work was entertaining. Even the tie-ins were great. Yeah, we have a we had a cover of the week that was a tie-in, the Johnny Blaze one. Those books, even on an individual level, were great, um, uh, and that just you know is representative of how well coordinated the whole story was, you know, for everybody. Um, 
and then surprisingly yeah and then the internal aspects of the issue were illustrated by nico henrickson uh, uh henrik chen henrik kun h-e-n-r-i-c-h-o-n i apologize i probably butchered your name i genuinely apologize but <laughs> you did a great job you so, know who you are <laughs> uh but yeah this book was great it had interesting covers uh, the storyline was really interesting. Uh, basically, uh, through some uh, prior events, Hell had basically claimed Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, decided to take Las Vegas to the surface to kind of have a good time <laughs> and terrorize these good folks. And uh, it was up to Doctor Strange and a cast of... Uh, Kind of uh, forgotten little, about yeah. supernatural Marvel characters. Yeah, a band of misfits, if you will. Yeah, to kind of save the day, so to speak. And again, all coming from an action of uh, Doctor Strange's kind of hubris. Good intentions and all, but uh, yeah, Doctor but... Strange is known for many things. One of them being his hubris <laughs> right. in every situation. Um, and sure enough, uh, his hubris takes him to a whole nother level on this this book here. Yeah, the, I'm I'm not sure exactly what the road to hell is paved with, but whatever it is, uh, Doctor Strange managed to pave it within a matter of minutes, no doubt. <laughs> um, but this book brings together a huge cast of really cool characters, and you know. Characters you wouldn't think would work very well together. Right. But they totally work. The, the <laughs> character dynamics totally worked. Um, we had, uh, let's see here, we have Blade. Blade. Uh, oh. Which was the biggest hype moment for me. Why yep. have we forgotten about Blade? We had uh, Doctor Strange. We had his former assistant. Yeah. Uh, we had the ghost dog. <laughs> <laughs> ghost dog. Yeah. Um, we had, uh, Iron Fist. Iron Fist. Yeah. We had Ben Riley, right? Ben Riley, Spider-Man, uh, who was Scarlet Spider. Scarlet Spider. Yeah. Um, who am I forgetting? Was it, was it Electra that we had? It wasn't Electra. There, there was a woman in there. Uh, I think her yeah. name was, uh, Elsa Blood something. Yeah. She was a monster hunter. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> I apologize. I'm not that deep into the like. I'm I'm into Marvel lore. I'm not that deep into Marvel lore. And right. Let's face it. There was a lot of bottom of the barrel characters getting a chance to shine, and they did shine. Oh so, yeah. All credit to uh, Donny Cates who did a great job with them. And then uh, we had Ghost Rider and a, f- a few, obviously Johnny Blaze. Yeah. And then uh, we had a handful of other characters show up throughout the run. Uh, but it was just great. It was it was an awesome book. The character interactions were great. Uh, the whole the way everything works out in the end was really fun and entertaining. It was just from start to finish a really fun, really awesome book that came out of left field that we did not expect from Marvel, uh, and just yeah, really rocked our socks off. I guess you know, <laughs> it's like oh holy shit, Marvel still got it. <laughs> now, in comparison, you know, to last year's uh comic of the the year batman white knight it pales drastically in comparison but you got to understand that batman white knight is like a generational great (laughs) book it is a book that can stand toe-to-toe with any comic book run ever it is that good dr strange damnation not necessarily that but really really great and was our favorite of the year yeah obviously 
we had a big chunk of the year where a lot of other great books were going on, but because the show wasn't on, we're not going to cover those ones as much. Um, but yeah, that, that book was awesome. I really enjoyed it from start to finish. So with that, let's jump into the uh, favorite covers Ooh. of the previous year. Now, again, kind of restrained, uh, restricted, excuse me, to uh, the books that we covered within the time period, including our return. So we got a little bit at the end of the year and then a whole lot from the first, oh, yeah. say, third of the year. Um, and if you are interested in seeing these covers, be sure to check out htbvids.com. You can click the link for uh, covers of the, the week. Or you can go to htbvids.com forward slash 2018. There's no ads or anything like that. No pop-ups. Just feel free to check it out. And then if you click the picture, it takes you to the link of the episode that actually aired it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so enjoy that. And it's also got some information like the creators, you know, did the content match the drapes, you know, uh, which variant it was, all that stuff. So be sure to check that out if you need a resource like that. Uh, we got... Even in that short period of the year, we really had a lot of really awesome covers, and we it took us a while to kind of come down with our final list of everything. Yeah. Uh, so, Emery, what was your favorite cover? Uh, my favorite cover was actually Cave Carson Has an Interstellar Eye. I'm noticing a pattern here. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so this is your uh, number one variant, this one done by Christian Ward, which yeah. is on episode 26. Now, the character on the cover, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, finally, <laughs> I think his name was Star Jones? Yeah, that sounds right. I was going to say Star earlier, but I couldn't remember the last name. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, the part of this that makes it like evoke something like Prince is that... Th all this man is wearing is a cape, and <laughs> that is it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Spoiler for the first issue. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I would expect someone like Prince to wear. It's like he gives no fucks very very into himself and knows just exactly who he is. Yeah, it is nothing to hide, and it's a great cover. It's very colorful. The logo is not taking up too much room, which right. is a big shout out. I want to give to DC. DC did a whole redesign of their logo before they had this big, huge blue banner with the rebirth thing underneath it, and it took up like a quarter of the page. And it was, yeah, it was really annoying because you couldn't see the damn artwork. Um, and they changed their format to this kind of very sleek aesthetic that's color matched with kind of the character and has the character symbol. You know, in a very minimalist way. I still wish they would get the barcode put on the back because it would be even more space that we can appreciate for the art. Um, and I have noticed in recent months they've gone back to the kind of corny, put the big text over front of the cover, you know. Uh, Wonder Woman is in danger! Exclamation point. You know, we don't need that. <laughs> it's not necessary. It makes the cover look corny and not very good. Right. You know, and it hides the, the great artwork that could be lingering behind it um and then the the quotes the quotes are the ones that kill me the most you know Ugh. it's an issue three we don't need a quote about how great this <laughs> book is or how great a character is it's three issues in hey thanks put, put it on the volume don't put it on the individual issues please right um, but i do want to give them some credit because they changed their aesthetic and it looked great yeah the the thing that i like the most about this is that uh 
we're playing up the whole interstellar part of this. Uh, the interstellar part being uh, this guy's name is literally Star Jones, and you are seeing basically a drawn constellation connect directly to his eyeball. Yeah. Because the man is a star. <laughs> it really is great. So, again, we recommend you pick up this book, not only for the artwork, but because the content matched the drapes. Yes. And was Emery's favorite book of last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, next Easy. up, my favorite cover of the year uh, was Aquaman number 33, the standard cover. This one done by Stepan Sajic. It is representative of everything I like about the whole Mara Aquaman relationship. It kind of shows the exiled uh, version of Aquaman with his long beard and his long hair uh, after dramatic story events. I won't spoil them because I want you to go read it. It's a right. really great run. Um, the, unfortunately, you got to start from the point that Dan Abnett started at because the storyline was not necessarily very good after Rebirth. Right. It was only once Dan Abnett started that things started to get kick, kicked up and it when Stepan Sajic joined his run is when everything really kicks off for the full, like whole, you know, complete experience of an Aquaman book, you know, what an Aquaman book should be. Uh, but this cover, once again, just represents everything. You can see the kind of, they're kind of sharing their kind of final romantic kiss as they're being pulled away by the forces that be. And if you're familiar with what's going on in the book, you can kind of recognize what hands are pulling them astray. Yeah. And it's, it's just very representative of not only the characters, their love for each other, but also what is happening in the book, what's happening in the story. Um, it's just, it's just beautiful. It's got beautiful, vivid color to it. You know, it's got beautiful detail and the scales and the obviously different aesthetics you know most artists try to s stay away from hands because they hate hands <laughs> hands are hands and feet Liefeld, are notoriously hard to draw correctly and step and sajic said fuck that i'll just put a hundred hands <laughs> in my artwork and i'll put He's very good i'll put a thousand scales and i'll put every little anatomy me detail of each character <laughs> into this one shot it's just it's a great piece of art and i i really wish that Stepan sajic had more clout in the comic book world because i think he has a, an amazing talent yeah and I, I wish that he he could be everywhere really like if i could take Stepan sajic and like santa takeda and jim lee and just have them draw everything oh. i would be all about it throw sean murphy in there all about it there is Bill Shankwitz. Yeah, you there, can hop on in. There is actually. I'm going to put in a shout out to my friend Christian if he's watching. Um, there is actually a book that Stepan Sajic wrote and drew that is not Sunstone. <laughs> it was like if you are any kind of edge lord at all uh check out death vigil uh it was a limited run didn't uh go as long as the uh, Stepan sajic had anticipated because the sales weren't there but what is there in that uh single volume it's pretty amazing yeah so Stepan sajic super underrated comic book artist and 
I guess, professional. Yeah. I don't know what he's like behind the scenes. You know, he he could be a great guy. He could be a total creep. I don't know. But he's got some fucking talent. Yeah, he does. That's very apparent. And he's constantly on our covers of the week because he just does great work. Yeah. And uh, just want to say thank you for all the joy you brought me. (laughs) You've got you've got a great talent uh, for comic book art. All right. So with that, let's get into our overall favorite cover of the year so our overall favorite regular cover not variants regular cover of the year is being awarded to damnation johnny blaze ghost rider number one cover by clayton crane we had a little foreshadowing earlier when we were talking about damnation a little bit but this is a book that was really good on the interior yeah as well (laughs) as the exterior and really the cover it's it, it's a very kind of digitally enhanced cover, you know, uh, but I don't dock things points because they're digitally enhanced if they're done well. You right. Know? You know, a.k.a. Step and Sajic's work. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know. Um, but this is basically representative of everything you want to see from Johnny Blaze's Ghost Rider. You goddamn right it is. I mean, it is literally a blaze of glory. <laughs> where he's riding his demon motorcycle there like through, a bat out of hell. Through the abyss of hell. <laughs> and just it's just great. And another artist that's not afraid to tackle hands. Yeah. <laughs> so Clayton Crane. You can see well done. hands everywhere. <laughs> It, of these it, departed demons and souls and yeah. rotting corpses, it's a it's a really great cover. It, the imagery that it evokes with uh, like all of these hands trying to get Johnny is like <laughs> it is classic Johnny Blaze. Yeah. So I just really want to say that it, it, if you are a Ghost Rider fan whatsoever on any level, this is a cover for you. It's just great. It's it almost invokes kind of like the classic like Marvel card game art. Yeah, idea. and I I could totally see this on like one of those card art pictures, um, and it it kind of takes that to the next level. And I really really enjoy it. I think it's a really really great cover. Again, there's a lot of great covers. Uh, many of them we didn't see on the show, so right. we can't we can't give them credit. But there was. There's genuinely a lot of great work, uh, even in that short time period, and it was really difficult for us to decide on just the one. Uh, Next up, our overall variant of the year for 2018 goes to a Bill Shankowitz book Mm -hmm. and cover here. This is a variant done for Dastardly and Muttley, number six, a DC book. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't think it would come from this, but it right. it kind of invokes the just raw joy of <laughs> following these goofy, villainous characters, you know? <laughs> um, and done in the Bill Shankwitz style, which is notoriously, you know, over the top, very, very impressive. You know, I, I think he's kind of an artist's artist. You know, yeah, really like, has a unique vision and unique hand uh, on everything he does. So he does a lot of variant covers for people because he has a very cool and awesome aesthetic that people like to buy, including me. Yeah, he definitely has. Uh, he has the aesthetic style of any kind of theme that you're going for down pat. Uh, this specific one uh this was a 
basically a World War II like fighter pilot aesthetic yeah. that he nailed. Yeah, it's just great because you see, you know, Muttley in the <laughs> in the cockpit there with Dastardly kind of looking at him like yeah, side eyeing right. him, like "What the right. hell are you doing?" <laughs> and you can see that he's got all his kills labeled on the side of the cockpit, <laughs> yeah. just like the classic World War II, you know uh fighter planes and he's got a bunch of cats on there he's got fire hydrants he's got mailmen trees you know it's just it's just a a great like fun pleasing cover that just is complete from top to bottom there's nothing ignored nothing left out even the the way the light is hitting the rear you yeah. know, behind Muttley's head. It's just the perfect, like, kind of sunset silhouette <laughs> to kind of just accent how ridiculous and great it is. Um, and I really like seeing this from Bill Shankwitz. I, th- I feel like sometimes Bill Shankwitz's covers are a little too serious and too dire and too, like, involved. Like, severe. Yeah, and I feel like when I see this joyous kind of <laughs> over-the-top celebration, which he does with his art, yeah, it really, really makes me happy. It just... <laughs> brings out something in me that uh you know sometimes i forget i have when i'm being all cynical on this show yeah <laughs> it was like little snippets of joy from yeah. things like oh my god i would not have expected him to do that with that exactly and it, again we had a lot of great covers uh but we in the end had to give our overall to damnation johnny blaze number one by clayton crane and give our overall variant to dastardly and muttley number six by bill shankowitz i do want to give an additional <laughs> shout out to bill shankowitz i argued about this with emory for about 10 or 15 minutes while we're getting the camera ready for our second half of the show another uh, one <laughs> but bill shankowitz on episode 19 we gave a bonus cover of the week we did to the shankowitz variant of trinity number 17 and I don't think we've ever given a bonus before this. Maybe one time we gave another bonus. Maybe. Where the, the, the week was just stacked so strongly with great covers that we yeah. couldn't ignore one. Right. Or like honorable mentions yeah. have happened. And this is one of those cases. This is Trinity number 17, the Shankwitz variant, is outrageous. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's it's very much like that Dastardly and Muttley cover. Where it's just so over the top and joyous, yeah, and, and just a part of Bill Shankwitz's persona that we don't see enough. Um, this one featuring the Trinity, you know, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, kind of in some weird prehistoric <laughs> environment <laughs> where they're fighting a bunch of dinosaurs and T Rexes, and Superman is literally punching a T Rex in the face <laughs> and. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> and the T-Rex is wincing in pain. Wonder Woman is slashing another T-Rex across the face with a spear and shield, <laughs> jumping, you know, gallantly through a, a ring of dinosaurs. Yeah. And then Batman at the bottom in the shadows, double wheeling <laughs> two swords that he's fighting off a bunch of raptors with. <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous and great and wonderful. And it features a really great accent from DC with their new logo design that they kind of premiered at the end of 2017 and into 2018. Yeah. It's just, it makes me so happy to look at it. I love it. Yep. Again, please, if if you're not watching the video, go check out our website, hdbviz.com forward slash 2018. 
uh, to check out episode 19's bonus cover of the week. Because I feel like if everybody at least gets a look at this, they'll at least liven their day up a little bit. Right. Uh, This cover encapsulates everything that is wonderful about comics. Yeah. It's like you have the creative freedom to come up with an image so badass detailed you know artistic incredible i mean <laughs> even the small details like the the giant brontosauruses in the in the background just kind of looking like hey these guys are saving us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great it's like there's something about the the inherent silliness of it but also like the the earnestness of the fact that this is a comic book <laughs> and it looks awesome like this is what you want in a cover this is the kind of cover that as someone who's not normally uh like consistently reading dc properties this type of art would always make me do a double take and say yeah. oh what yeah. the and what do we have here i bought that cover right away uh yeah yeah i know yep. you did yeah i did <laughs> uh but yeah great cover just want to give a shout out we really struggled to get it down to the ones we got to um I, there was a lot of great candidates you know uh jorge jimenez had a really great nightwing cover we ended up finally saying no to it to the other ones because the content inside was so atrocious. <laughs> the content inside that issue, you know. Uh, if you li- want to look at the cover, it's the episode nineteen, uh, Nightwing number thirty-seven, uh, cover done by Jorge Jimenez. We but, could not, in good conscience, uh, the uh, inside of that comic is so awful. <laughs> it's so awful. The writing for Nightwing last year was really bad, especially in that first half. I'm not sure about the second half because I d- didn't read it anymore. <laughs> and it was so bad. It, 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 it tore so me away from that... my favorite character. <laughs> so, And it, it's a shame, too, because that, that oh, that drape. That yeah. drape was so good, though. Yeah. So uh, just a few shout outs there, you know. They didn't get our cover of the week or variant cover of the week or either of our favorite covers of the year, but uh, they were up there. And, you know, for me personally, Trinity just narrowly lost out to Aquaman number 33. I yeah. Mean, very narrowly. Uh, but Aquaman 33 ultimately won because Stepan Sajic is awesome. Yeah. So, and he uh, deserves it. <laughs> if you guys have any other comics that you think were really great and really stood out last year, uh, that we should check out and talk about on the show. Please let me know if you think there was any uh, big covers uh, that we missed during our little hiatus there uh, from about, uh, what was it, mid-May to November, somewhere around there. Thereabouts, yeah. yeah. Feel free to send them at us so we can give them a shout-out and give them some credit. Um, again, these uh, creators work really hard, especially with this whole paycheck-to-paycheck crunch system they have in in place for a lot of these companies. Yeah. Um, And I I just want to personally say, as a fan, uh, thank you. I really appreciate all the hard work. Uh, Noah can sometimes probably feel very thankless, especially in the cesspool that is Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And obviously, you know, uh, idiots like us on the internet, you know, constantly scrutinizing everything you do. Uh, I'm sure it's not uh, the funnest experience when uh, lows are lows. Uh, right. 
but we do appreciate all your hard work and all your effort and all your creativity. The world would be a less wonderful place without it. And our only hope is that we can, we just want more books as good as this. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we want. Yeah. So again, 2018, really solid year for comics. Uh, I think there's a lot of good to be had. I think uh, stuff like the New Age of DC Heroes was a great initiative. Yeah. Uh, that got kind of started in uh, 2018. Uh, twenty End of 2017-ish. It's like kind of like January was real, yeah, when like, everything really started. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I think there were some things that were kind of a step back as well. But I think uh, overall it's been a, a positive improvement for the industry and for uh, comics in general, at least from what i've been reading from you know largely dc image idw um less so marvel but also some from marvel like dr strange damnation is a good example old man hawkeye really great book yeah Uh, really enjoyed that stuff so um well, I think that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books Podcast. Mediocre! I want to thank you for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe on our YouTube page and follow us on your podcast services of choice and social networks. Uh, if you could leave us a kind review uh, or some feedback on Stitcher or iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. And remember, you can always email us at htbvids. Uh, excuse me hit the books vids i screwed up some of my stuff there hit the books vids at gmail.com again you can find all this on our website htbvids.com uh, where we have links to all the stuff including our contact us page um, we're on twitter at htbvids we're on facebook at facebook.com forward slash hit the books feel free to interact with us on any of those uh formats you know we could join instagram and reddit and all that stuff but quite frankly it's just the two of us and we're already strained for time as it is <laughs> so i keep it to the kind of the short and sweet services although if we get freed up a little bit more financially and as far as time goes in the future we'll try to appease those uh branches a little bit more once again i want to give a shout out to uh, newsarama.com which we often get our news stories from and freshcomics.us which once again is a really great resource to find out what's coming out next week, what is out this week and what came out last week uh, in the comic book shops near you. Uh, And uh, of course, one more shameless plug. We do have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash hit the books. If you like what you hear and see uh, any contribution or help you could give us as low as a dollar a month (laughs) would really be appreciated and go a long way. Uh, Once again, I've been your host, Chris Holcomb. And I am Emory Saunders. Thank you for watching. We will see you next week. Real talk. (laughs) Uh. Bitch, I wish you would punch a T-Rex in the face. (laughs) Real talk. (laughs)